I'm James. This is the Grizz Fan Podcast. I'm Mike. I'm Brent. No Luke. <laughs> Who's that? Like Kyle five or six. Luke is out traversing the greater uh, Denver area with his significant other's family. He may drop in at some point during this episode. We'll see. Um, we're, we're continuing down the theme of making Kyle join us through for this playoff run, which he doesn't seem to be <laughs> complaining about. <at> all. <laughs> it's he, nice. He's got a lot of free time. It's nice to be thought of as like the backup quarterback. They say that's everybody's favorite player, but. Well, I mean, Kyle, the USC court backup quarterback is now your favorite player. Is he not? Yeah, I already got his jersey hanging in my closet. <laughs> well, he's not the backup anymore, though, because right, because Caleb is the starter now, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, we don't know. They're going to go. Football is such a weird place right now with these bowl games. Like they've been, some of them been kind of entertaining, even though like the guys aren't playing. USC right. had fifty-three scholarship guys. Dang. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they still won. So there we go. Well, so you got a quarterback for next year now, right? Allegedly. Well, yeah, they're gonna go get another one. Yeah. 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 But we got Miller. Yeah. And Miller we trust. Well, we'll see. I've heard this, I've heard this with you before. Should we start <laughs> going through the list of guys? I have like a great history with quarterbacks and anything <laughs> over the past like five years. So ten years, maybe. Yeah. Just- I should be celebrating. We're just we're just still kind of cleaning up from Brock Purdy and the Niners trying to ruin Christmas. I wore I, I got a Brock Purdy jersey and I wore it. Oh. Four interceptions. Oh, so maybe me, maybe I'm the problem. Oh, well, guys, you can't all be Packer fans and just have one dynasty QB after another, after hopefully another. So sorry. Or you could become Packer fans. It's fine with me too. Wow. I'd rather root for Jim Drunken Miller. <laughs> Remember that guy? I do remember, remember when we drafted that guy. <laughs> he was going to be the next big thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then he wasn't. Oh, man. All right. So we're going to do a um, show with, with a few different things. We don't have any game to break down because we obviously potted post NDSU, but it doesn't mean that won't come up. Um, we've got some guests joining us uh, coming up in a bit. Um, some nice. national championship experience. Jimmy Ferris is going to join us. And so is Mark Mariani. Um, and I believe so is Andrew Schmidt, correct, Brent? Correct. All right. Um, then we'll get to questions later uh, and kind of jump into all that. But first, James, how was Christmas? Good. Kind of. Good kind of? Good Whoa. kind of? Oh. Whoa. oh, no. What does that mean? <laughs> oh, all right. That's fine. Okay. It's no. He's taking no shots at my parroting. It was the Niners that tried to ruin his Christmas. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right, good, good. Still love you, James. We did have a question: like, uh, how much Grizz, Grizz swag did you get uh, for Christmas? A lot. Yeah. A lot. Got some new stuff to wear down to Frisco. You looking forward to it yet? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. James, Are you gonna you wear? One, I mean, you got one. You got one thing showing up today. Today's a big day, huh? Mm-hmm. Junior Bergen. Chant the, chant the real nickname. Yeah, let's hear the real one. <laughs> Luke's version. Uh, so on another note, <laughs> I had lunch with my family today, and 
my dad was excited to hear that we were going to have guests on because he thinks that that's more exciting when we just sit and talk. Oh. I, I told him he wasn't our target audience. <laughs> it's going to be really fun to hear from those guys. I'm, I'm fired up. I was like a little, I was like James's age when Jimmy Ferris was playing. Yeah. he And, you know, it's because it wasn't the social media era yet, but that App State semifinal game. It's incredible. Was incredible. And he caught the touchdown in overtime. And it was like, it was really snowy. So there were like snow berms mm-hmm. past the end zones. Right. I mean, that was incredible. I had James YouTube it and watch it a little bit today so he could learn a bit more about it. Nice. I think nice. that might have been the last year we had grass. No? Oh, like grass, grass on the field. Grass, yeah, grass. I yeah. Think I, Kyle, I think you're right. You might right. be right. Yeah. It's funny. I remember thinking back to that, and um, there were Grizz fans at that point that were and who knows they could be right a little bit they were adamantly mad about losing natural grass field because playing effectively in a frozen ripped up field in november and december was like um added to home field advantage for the grizz the sprint neutralized that so yeah yeah it was like it wasn't so crowned at that point, was it? Oh, we that'll that's a question I'll leave for Jimmy to talk about because I remember they used to have like a crown field to help like the water. It was kind of yeah, yeah. I think so. I, I wanna I wanna see if he if he remembers if it was still like that or if they'd flattened it out by that point. We'll see. Soon I don't think they had. I don't think they had either. I think it was still crowned. I think, but I don't know. I'm not sure. Didn't John Edwards' dad donate the money for that new field? I think that so. That was a rumor. That was yeah. the rumor. Which yeah. now it just seems like that's a part of the budget. We have to do that. Yeah. True. True. Um, yeah. Well, uh, Mike, Kyle, how was your guys' Christmas? It's good. Mike. I'm a I'm actually a really big fan of this schedule for this national championship game. Um having time to like get ready and plan the trip and all this stuff instead of trying to rush it in a week uh, is way better than the last time I went to one of these. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. This schedule, this, this is great, but I, I am honestly ready for them to be back in like a game week so we can watch a game. It, it feels like it's too long, but um, Christmas is good. My little sister now she's having another kid. So Ooh, I get a nice. nephew. So yeah, I'm really excited about that. Um, yeah, and then we just spent a lot of time with family. Um, and then the Niners, you know, ruined it. Ruined it all. Well, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. We turned it off in the third quarter and watched Home Alone. So you know, <laughs> there is that. No, um, honestly, it's, a, it's not that. It, I, I don't think it's like a game that I'm like concerned about. It doesn't change my opinion of of where they are as a team. That was just, you know, one of those just terrible games. It's like the NAU game for the Grizz. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes yeah. stuff just doesn't go your way. There you yeah. go. Just <laughs> fine. Brent, how was your Christmas? Ah, uh, not too bad. Not too bad. Just uh I think um whatever random flu bug is going around through the schools kind of ripped through my house pretty good. Uh, but we're coming out the other side of it okay. So it was a little bit more of a low-key Christmas spread it just uh with family around here in town and the Packers did not ruin my sports weekend. Fortunately, they definitely tried to, uh, but uh, 
<laughs> they did not. And so, yeah, no, not too, not too bad. Not too bad. James, oh, I have a question for you guys. What did you guys eat? What would you guys eat for Christmas? Ooh, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. Yeah, you gotta be specific, <laughs> Kyle. What was what was for dinner? What was for dinner? <laughs> all right? Well, I mean, last time we recorded, you all know we were smoking the ham, so that was yep. the night before Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve, we went over to my brothers and had um, great marinated steak kebabs with um, with twice baked potatoes. Just way more food than you could ever need. Um, and then my mom did more of a traditional turkey gravy and everything else on Christmas. Good stuff. Okay. Nice. Great. Uh, Christmas Eve, my family, I don't know when we picked this up, but we just, we've done fondue. And uh, so we did that again where, and we had um, my wife made pumpernickel bread. So we had sourdough pumpernickel bread and kibasa to dip into the to fondue mix. And then uh, Christmas day, um, I slow smoked a prime rib that turned out really good. And uh, my wife made a lasagna from scratch noodles and all. And so we had a little bit of, a little bit of everything there. And uh, due to kids not feeling the best, we were kind of touch and go if it was going to happen. So we got a little late start on making the lasagna. So we had dinner at like eight o'clock at night on Christmas, but you know, it's not like we had much to do the next morning. So it worked out. It's very interesting that you say you have lasagna because it is the whole Reason I asked the question, my aunt, we go to my aunt's for dinner and she told us this year she was making lasagna. Yeah. I was like, one, sounds like a weird Christmas. <laughs> for sure. Oh, I know somebody I know. else who did lasagna on Christmas. This really? Year. Yeah. Maybe I just have no idea. Maybe lasagnas are the new Christmas food. I mean, I satisfied or are you now like in a, in a grudge match with your aunt? Well, I made a pot roast and brought it over there. Nice. <laughs> so people had a choice of lasagna and pot roast. <laughs> which one? Uh, which one had more leftovers? Um, I think the pot roast slightly did. Uh, but people were pleasantly surprised that it was edible. So, yeah. you know, that was a that was a win for my cooking skills. Oh, people should give you more credit. That's not fair. I can't believe I pulled it off. It was actually really good. I cooked it in a in a Dutch oven. It was great. Nice. James, uh, how was your Christmas eating? Good. Did you eat everything, first of all? Yeah. Tried everything? You liked those twice-baked potatoes? Uh -huh. They were pretty good, weren't they? Yeah. Right. What did we have yesterday? What was it called? Oh, pasties, pasties, oh. My mother yeah. from Butte makes wonderful pasties. I want them. So it's been a it's been a nice uh, culinary week for us. I've not had a good pasty since Lisa closed up. Well, Lisa's well, she was from Butte, so that yeah. was part of that. Yeah. I also did. A, I smoked an over the top chili. That was really good. Brent had to jump off for a second. He's having some connectivity issues, but I want to ask him about it. But it's like you make either like a loaf of meat or I did meatballs and you put them on a rack over your homemade chili and slow smoke them. So all the good stuff cooks in. Um, yeah, it was delicious. I've never even heard about that. That sounds amazing, though. Um, 
I've seen a few people post about it, and I was texting a buddy and wanted to give it a try. And uh, actually, pod listener Shane uh, shared his recipe, and it uh, it was probably the best chili I've ever had. Really? Yeah. What is it called? Over the top chili. Over the top. Okay, I'm gonna look into this. Um, yeah, it was really it was easy. It kind of does it on its own, just cooks on its own, basically. I mean, like all chilies do, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you've got like 20 minutes of kind of prep of everything right there, and then that's that's it. So I'm going to be expecting you, now that I know that there's a central Grizz tailgate area, um, I'm going to expect you to make that before. You can come over to our Airbnb and use our kitchen, put it in the pot, and then we'll bring it to the tailgate. Yeah, that might be a tall order for a game that's at noon. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe you're right about that. <laughs> that's cool though that they have a that they have a tailgate area. I I didn't know you know what like the setup was going to be. I had friends who went down there when Montana State played, and they were like, "It's just like a hodgepodge of everything. People are just kind of in the the parking lot." But um, sounds like the Grizz people really figured everything out. Well, the alumni association, you know, they've got experience doing this over the years, and they really. They were ready for this championship because they coordinated the charters. They've got the Grizz Fest going on the night before for anybody who's going to be in Frisco. It's at the baseball stadium. The what is the Outlaws? Yeah, Rough Riders, something like that. You can um, buy your tickets on their on their website. Yep. So I don't. Know, I think they've got this pretty dialed in. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't wait to get down there and just uh, see what it's all like. We get in like Friday night. When do you guys get in? Um, we haven't seen our itinerary yet. It's supposed to be mailed oh. to us today. So we leave Friday. I know that. Okay. Wow. So they haven't really told you guys anything yet, really. No, just, I mean, obviously the plane's confirmed and they said they'll they'll tell us what gate we're going to and all that today. So. Okay. Which by the time this is released, hopefully everybody knows. So. Yeah. Yeah. We'll all have our tickets by then. Exactly. So Sorry, Brent's but- back. Oh my gosh. This is why we should never do Zoom for GFP. I was going to say, this is why we are an in-person pod. Well, I was slowly watching my Zoom meltdown, right? Like I text you guys, my my screen oh, yeah, freezes and then the whole thing and then you guys freeze and then my whole screen turns gray and then, and then the whole thing crashed out. So awesome. Well, perfect timing because I think that our guest is in the waiting room. So All right. any last uh, uh, quick thoughts before we bring in Jimmy Ferris? Good to go here. Let's get him out. Yeah. All right. James, anything from you? No. All right. <laughs> All right. We'll let him get joined in here. All right. Jimmy, can you hear us? Yeah. What's up, guys? Hey, thanks for uh thanks for coming on the pod. This is uh it's kind of exciting. Oh man, I'm happy to be here. I uh, I was thinking throughout the course of the season, I would see your tweets and I would listen to the pod occasionally. I was like, I'd like to be on that. I should reach out and, but I didn't want to be that guy that was like, Hey, let me on your podcast. So, um, <laughs> so I appreciate you guys asking me. Yeah. Cause I wanted to, wanted to do it. So I appreciate it. Well, uh, Britt and I were, were thinking about, you know, trying to find a few guys who had played in championship games and you of course have played in a couple and have a ring and, um, I think that's a pretty relevant conversation for our fans to be listening to right now. Yeah, it's uh man, you're taking me way back. Those are 
the good old days. So I'm happy to reminisce and revisit those times for sure. We, um, uh, so you've listened a couple of times, but even we're a fan pod and, um, my son, James, who you can see on the zoom here at breakfast this morning, I was making him YouTube highlights of your big catch against app state. Cause it was well before he was born, but I was trying to explain that, you know, if social media had been such a thing, then that touchdown catch would be even more famous than I think it is in Grizz fans minds. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Yeah. It's funny to think about that. Um, you know, we're all old enough to have grown up in the pre-internet era. Um, and so, you know, I think around that time, you know, the internet was obviously there and available, but there was no YouTube. There was no place to post a video or where a video could get shared or seen by anybody else. You pretty much had to catch it live or maybe you were lucky and got a highlight on SportsCenter or something like that. And so, um, yeah, different times. Um Sometimes I feel silly when I repost some of that stuff on my social media. Now it's like, I'm this old guy just trying to revel in the glory days. But, um, but I also think it's fun because, you know, there's probably a lot of guys that play on the team now that have never seen any of those videos. They're not even really aware that that stuff happened. And so, um, so it's an, it's interesting. It is. It's fun because a lot of the stuff, we don't really know where to find it. Someone, when people post it, we love to share it because, you know, there is, it's all this history and, and there's this whole generation of Grizz fans that if it's not immediately available on YouTube, they might not know about it. Um, it's, it's, it's funny because um, when, when Keelan broke the longest touchdown record, somebody um, posted the video of mine. They keep posting them like back to back. Right. Yep. And I, I started getting all these alerts Um Twitter alerts like that I'd been tagged in something and and I I I wasn't um at the time like wasn't watching the game or so I I was driving home from somewhere anyway and so I saw the video and that was the first time I'd seen the video of my play since it happened and really? I because I don't I don't have you know I have some of my uh old Grizz games like on VHS. <laughs> But I don't have I don't have that particular game or or any of the videos from that, and so I kind of teared up when I was watching that because it was like this major throwback. I hadn't seen it ever, and um, so that was really cool. When uh, I can't remember who posted it, but it was really cool to to see that again for for the point that you're making. What a lot of that stuff is just not available, you know. Yeah. I think it might have been Kyle Hansen at KPAX, but it was yeah, Kyle went Hansen. into the old footage and found yeah. it. And- yes. Yep. He did the same thing with the with the catch from App State too, right? Like, didn't didn't he post that uh, kind of like leading up into the North Dakota State game? And um... I think I posted that. Oh, did you? Okay, <laughs> I think that was me that posted that. Yeah, because I do have video of that one. Um, I, I've had that video since shortly after that game. There was a couple people that I was close to uh, that videoed it and and. Right, right away. Within a week, I had two or three VHS copies of that game that I still have. And so, what's funny about that play? Um, it, you know, it's been a number of years, and maybe it's because I've seen it so many times on on TV or on video that I don't remember that through my own eyes. If that makes <laughs> sense. Yeah. So when I think about that play, I I think about seeing it on on video. So from like a spectator's eyes, I I can't remember 
very much, if anything, of of actually doing that, um, if that makes sense, which is kind of strange. But um, I wish I could go back and see it through my own eyes. But um, that particular play is one of those where I, I've seen it so many times from the third person perspective that I don't remember what it was like to actually do it. <laughs> I, I remember, I remember it for me. It was right in front of me. I think I was like a 13 year old. Okay. I lost my mind when you yeah. got that. It was like yeah. just this perfect throw right in the corner of the end zone. You uh, know, you know, what's so cool about that. Um, I talked to, to Bill Cockhill, who was my receivers coach and for the first four years. And then he was the offensive coordinator that year. And what what's so cool about that is is Hockill had us doing these drills in practice for years. I mean, we did them the whole time that I was there. And, you know, sometimes as a player, you're like, come on, what are we, you know, what are we doing? This, this, we do this drill every freaking day. Like, what are we doing? And I'll be damned if that play wasn't the the literally from practice to the game that drill that we worked on, which was getting that outside position on a fade, kind of leaning into the guy, leaving enough room on the sideline and kind of fighting that battle to leave enough room to drop that ball. It, you know, I told him after the fact years later, I said, dude, you know, thank you for, for some of those quote unquote stupid drills. You always had us doing because (laughs) they really do play out in those situations. And so when that came up, I did it almost unconsciously just because we'd done it so many times. Yeah. Um, and I think those, when I look back on my career with the Grizz, I think those are what make some of those memories special to me. It's not just making the catch. It's like, man, that was years and years of work and drilling that specific technique that made that possible. And so I just feel really fortunate that I had so many good people around me that that allowed stuff like that to happen. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, so Jimmy, uh, obviously you've been following the team this year. This is, you know, it's been 14 years since the Grizz has been back national title game. Um, what, what, have, what's been your impressions of watching this team this year? What, uh, obviously we're seeing better results. What have you seen like as a former player as well? That's like been the difference maker from this team versus the past couple of years. Yeah. So a lot, a lot, um, <laughs> we, we could talk about that for for we could probably do a three or four hour show on that maybe you guys have um sometimes i think from from a guy that's not in the building guy that's not around it day to day you know i don't live in missoula obviously um on the surface you know the easy ones are once once they made cliff the guy and it was kind of unequivocal i think everything you know you got to have that position solidified um not only i mean of course you know, just to be a good team. But if you're going to make a deep playoff run and a championship run, that position, everybody in the locker room's got to know, like, that's the guy. Mm-hmm. And so I think once they did that, was that after NAU, right? right? Yep. Yep. I mean, you know, so, so the data is there to support that. But I think on an intangible side, I think everybody in the locker room saying like, all right, we're riding with Cliff and, and let's go. Um, So I think that, that probably number one, I think, Bigger picture, though, um, it's a almost a case study in what belief can do. Mm. Um, in in the different because look, they're not calling different plays. They they don't they don't have different players on the field. Um, these guys didn't suddenly become 
better. They didn't improve their skills overnight. Um, They're just playing with a different level of belief that, Hey, we can beat any, I, I think the cat game was the, was the example of that. Yeah. They, they came into that game and you know what? I take that back. Maybe the Idaho game. Mm-hmm. They came into the Idaho game like F these mother efforts, <laughs> you know, because Idaho, after they won last year, talked all that, that mm-hmm. trash and, and Eck was d- talking all that. They came into that game like, okay, we're going to find out who we are and we're going to find out who's better. And when they smacked Idaho, I, I think they, they probably got on the bus and went home and were like, all right, we're, we're for real. And they started to believe it. And then all of a sudden, as a player, as an athlete, when you when you raise your expectations of yourself, all of a sudden you start to play up to your own expectations. Mm-hmm. And so what you're seeing is a team now that is like, shit, we should win the national championship. Absolutely. And they're going to play like that, yeah. you know? And I think that's like, you know, we could talk about this play and that play or this scheme and that scheme. I think on a big picture, on the macro level, they they're a team now that believes that they should win every game that they're in. And more often than not, when you believe to that level and every guy in the locker room is bought in, you get that result. It's awesome. Yeah. That's a- <laughs> that, I mean, that is, that is great. And a lot of people have kind of wondered if the cliff and kind of the team feeling like they need to build around someone, but you know, the Idaho game, I think is a good point because a lot of us went into that road trip kind of thing. And like, this is bad news. This is, ranked teams on the road back-to-back weeks they beat davis but they're kind of in the back of some people's minds davis maybe wasn't as good as their ranking Mm -hmm. but idaho was supposed to be the real deal and they go in and do that and you're right they just have not looked the same since then and then two weeks later was it we we crush sac state at home Mm -hmm. um that's that's mental you know what i mean that's a different mm -hmm. like so my whole family is idaho vandals um my my oldest brother went to Idaho, had two nephews that did um, PWOs up there. I couldn't get him over to Montana as much as I tried. <laughs> um, my One of my, my sisters went there. Um, so we were watching that game kind of as a family. And, and my brother and one of my nephews commented in the first quarter, they were like, uh, the Grizz came, came to play like with an attitude – like we're going to let you know who still runs the big sky in the Northwest. And, and, and they did, there was a play in particular in that game. I can't remember which one of our offensive linemen it was, but he drove a, a yeah. Idaho DB like into the front row. <laughs> yeah. It's McGinnis. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Got a penalty and everything. And, and I, I went nuts. I went, nuts. I was like, yes, that, that is exactly. They need to know like that. We, we mean business and we're here to put an ass whooping on them at their place and, and let them know who still runs the show in the big sky. And, uh, and that game was a statement game from a physicality standpoint. And to me, the, again, I'll keep alluding to it, the bigger picture from a mindset game, man, they, they did not look back from there. They were like, we will kick anybody's ass that we line up against. And that that's what they've done. All right. Do you need like something like that? Like when you are, mm-hmm. when you were never really on teams that sort of like, went through lulls, right? Or like we're kind of like not expected to achieve quite a bit. But when you when you are an athlete, do you need something at times to like reaffirm that belief or like within a team? And if that happens, then it's just like it just kind of catapults you through. Hundred percent. Um 
at the most basic level, I, I talk a lot about needing evidence. People talk about, oh, how do you, you know, how do you build confidence or, or how do you build, um, you know, that belief? It's like, you need evidence, right? Like if, if you're telling yourself like, Hey, I'm a great receiver that catches every ball. Um, what supports that is going out and catching every ball, right? So you start to build the evidence that you can actually do that. And so I think, you know, everybody always talks like we're this, we're that we should go out and do this. We should go out and manhandle, whatever. When you do it and then you go watch it on film and you're like, yeah, we, we did it. Then it, you got a little piece of evidence, right? And that, and that builds your confidence and your belief a little bit more. And then you go out and do it again. And you just start stacking evidence to the point where it's undeniable to yourself. And, and again, that's where this team is at. I don't care what the, what, what do they pick? Like, are they like 13 point dogs or something in this 13 game? 13 and a half is where it's 13.5. Yep. You know, that, that, look. Anything can happen in the game, right? That who knows? That may happen. We may end up winning by twenty-one. Also, um, but I guarantee you, there's not a guy in the locker room that even blinked at being thirteen-point dogs. Because 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 they're thinking like they we have the evidence that says that that's BS, and and we feel like we could we could smack anybody we line up against, and right. it's because of to to answer your question. It's because of that evidence that supports the belief that really builds the confidence. Um, and yes, you do need that as an athlete, because regardless of you might be somebody, you know, they always say you got to feel like you got to go out there and feel like you're the best player on the field. When you go out there and drop three or four balls in a row, trust me, you can say that, but you don't believe that <laughs> you don't believe you're the best player on the field, right? If Cliff goes out and throws three picks, the belief is, is diminished in throwing the next one, right? And so when you stack enough evidence that supports the belief, man, the confidence is overflowing from there. I almost think that for this team this year, kind of who they are, they'd rather be a big underdog than anything else because it kind of feeds into the, you know, everyone wants to write off the Grizzlies. Everyone thinks they've passed the Grizzlies by. This is just more of that. Nobody respects us. Let's just go show them. And yeah, that's another big game. They've kind of been counted out. By the yeah. Anyway, so it's like if we came into this game and there are, uh, you know, like a favorite, it would be like, what, what is this? What is this territory? We haven't been here yet. It's just one more thing. You talk about things you need or things that you can use. It's just one more thing. Um, you guys probably remember my senior year when we went to Nashville or, or Chattanooga to play Georgia Southern. Um, same scenario. They were they were the the big dog, the defending champions. Um, I I remember doing an interview with ESPN the day before. I think they aired it during the game, and uh, and I expressed that. I mean, it was when we sh from the day we showed up, it was like, oh yeah, hey you guys, you're you're over here. But it was this idea like this is Georgia Southern show. They're the defending champs. They're gonna run away with the game, and you guys are just the other team in the game. And, and throughout our locker room and our coaching staff, like that, that really irked a lot of people. And so not only did we want to win a national championship, we wanted to make a statement to them. Um, and we damn near pulled it off. We got yeah, close. I mean, that was such an exciting game. And it's one of those where it's like, you feel like if there were a few more minutes, 
yeah. that happened. For the yeah. record, yeah. I feel like we've Where's been giving credit for being a national champion on the next year for years. So yeah. you can just go with it. No, no, I, I appreciate it. I was, I was going to correct you, but I was <laughs> yeah. like, no, nah, I'm going to let that slide. I actually... My, my history is actually losing in two of them. So my freshman year, I didn't play. I was redshirting, but yeah, yeah, we lost to, to Randy Moss and, and, uh, the, the Marshall thundering herd. Um, and I don't think anybody feels bad about that one. I think Moss put up like two forty four touchdowns. He was unstoppable. Um, but that, that game, my senior year, um, you know, I, that's still, I, I honestly, I, I just tried not to think about it. there. There's, there's that game still bothers me. There's a couple plays in that game that I didn't make, uh, that still eat me up. Um, you know, I think about it too much. I still am like, God, I should have made that catch. You know, I should have done this mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, I don't think that ever goes away if you're a competitive athlete. Um, but yeah, we were, we were close. Um, so I got bookended by, Two, they won at 95. We lost in 96. <laughs> we lost in 2000 and they won it in 2001. I'm so, you know. In that, in that 2000 game, uh, you guys had, you know, Drew Miller for like two years and he was awesome. And then he went down early mm-hmm. in that game. And it seemed like it, it took Edwards a little bit of time to maybe get his footing. Mm-hmm. But then the second half, he just, he was awesome. Like he made really big plays. Was there like, <clears throat> was there like anything that you guys, said to him and like the, the half during halftime or anything like that. Cause it just seemed like he just changed so much oh. or got comfortable so quickly in that second half. So the interesting thing about John, um, John, John was, I, I don't know how to describe it. I used to use a cliche, like a gunslinger, right? John, John didn't think too, he didn't overthink anything. He was like, okay, here we go. I'm going to get the ball to yo, try to get the ball to Jimmy. Um, I I know for sure that, that Cockhill um, kind of revised the the playbook, the play calling. We, we, you know, Drew, Drew Miller was, was fantastic, you know, and, and he was, he didn't have a, 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 as much time as like Dickinson or Brian Ayad or one of those guys, but had we gotten Drew right out of, right out of high school, he might be, right there with Dickinson in terms of all time leading. I mean, he was, he was exceptional. Um, so our playbook was different when drew was in the game, right? So we had an entirely different game plan that we went to when drew went down because John had a different skill set. And, and, and so to answer the question, no, no, none of us said anything to John because it was like, let's go. And he was like, I'm on. And John, John threw balls that drew wouldn't throw like risky um and 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 that's what one of the things that made john great was he was just like i don't care if i throw a pick like so what Uh, the next one might be a touchdown so let's go you know um so it it was that was fun man i i i was i was happy for john that he got that opportunity because it really kind of set his career you know on a trajectory for the next couple years um he was a fantastic player and and we didn't have to say anything to him. He was ready to go. He was a young, he was a sophomore, but he right. played a lot that year in some playoff games because Drew had been hurt. And um, no, he just stepped right in and we just changed up the playbook. And I think all of us collectively were like, all right, um, let's help him out. Let's make sure we, we try to get an extra yard or two, or we're extra crisp on our routes and things like that. But otherwise you just, you take the reins off of John and just say, go, you know? Nice. Nice. 
Uh, Jimmy, so we always put out for fan questions and stuff. And I think one of the questions we had was if you could uh, take any player from your 2000 Grizz team and put it on this 2023 Grizz team, who would it be? Oh, good question. Um, off the top of my head, I would probably say I would I would take Yo Humphrey. Mm-hmm. Um, and and let me say that's not to discredit Eli or uh, or Nick or any of those guys. It's just to say that Yo Humphrey was one one in terms of Grizzly running backs. Mm-hmm. Um, he could do it all. You know, he he he'd run over. He was a he was a power runner. Caught a lot of balls out of the backfield. I think he's still. You guys correct me if I'm wrong. Is he not still the all time leading rusher at f- almost five thousand yards? Or did right? Yeah. And, and and you know, and that was at a at a time in an era where the Grizz didn't run the football. Yeah. You know, my first three years at Montana, we were four wideouts ninety percent of the time. Maybe we brought in a tight end here and there. Um, my junior year, we brought in an offense coordinator named Bob Cole, who wanted to balance out a little bit. And, and that year in 99, Yo broke the single season rushing record. Um, I think he rushed for like 1,200 yards, which was like out of this world for Montana running game at the time. And then nice. yeah. I think he came back. I think he broke it again every year. And his senior year in 01, I want to say he rushed for like 14 or 1500. Um, you guys could look that up at, at some point. But point is, um, I love their the Grizzly offense right now because of how balanced it is. Um, we can we can beat you. You know, if if Eli and Nick are hot, they can beat you. Um, when Cliff needs to throw the ball, our, our passing game is 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 more than adequate. Um, so I would probably take, I would probably say, yeah, let's throw yo Humphrey into the mix and know that if you got to run the ball, if you end up having to run the ball, that's a guy that'll get you 150, 180. If he's, if he's on that game, I think that'd be a very good addition to any Grizz team throughout history. Um, second to yo, I would obviously take, I would put Mark, I know Mark, I think Mark's coming on after me. I would put Mark Mariani on any team. Um, because of the, the, you know, if I can, I, I don't know if I'm taking up too much time, whatever, but You're I love good, talking yeah. about the stuff. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I get asked a lot. Um, probably the most asked question is, is, is about grizzly receivers and people always want to talk about who's better. They'll ask me, I don't know if they ask any, anybody else. They ask me, who do you think's better? You or Mariani? And it's like, it doesn't have to be a, it, I, I, I just, I don't, I don't even like the premise of that question. Um, I'll always defer and say to, to me, he's the goat. Um, I think he's one of the, the best Grizz receivers ever um, because of the consequential plays, as I like to call them. Like there's guys, there, there's guys that, that have had, um, you know, more catches or more yards or done, but the, 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 the size and the magnitude of the plays. Um, that's, that's why I, I, you know, so he would be number two, if I could say a guy, I didn't play with him obviously. Um, but he, he's an all time, I think any Grizz team of any era, you put Mark Mariani on that team and like, you're significantly better, especially in the championship game. Cause he could, you know, he made such huge plays in the return game and in the past game. And, um, 
Um, I guess maybe a third number three would be Joe Douglas. Do you guys remember Joe Douglas? Oh, I was going to ask. Oh, yeah. Joe Douglas. yeah. Man, man. <laughs> Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas was real deal. I, I, I will say this. I, um, I, when I was a f- true freshman, my goal was to be like Joe Douglas. I, uh, I ended up wearing Earhart's number. Um, cause Mike Earhart and I got to be, he was, he kind of took me under his wing and he wore number eight. And so after that season, I said, Hey, I, you know, I, I, yeah, as you do, as a young guy, I was like, I want to ask your blessing to <laughs> wear your number next year. <laughs> um, Joe Douglas was a monster, man. He was a monster. And, uh, I think one of the things I learned from Joe, I was really uptight. Like I was really, a uh, uh, technique and fundamentals and run the route this way. And, and Joe was a total freelancer. Joe would just wind up somewhere and, and I would find him and, um, Joe helped me loosen up a little bit. Like, Hey man, just go play. Um, so I guess technically I, because I did play with him that, that year, I, I, he's another guy that like you put Joe Douglas on a team. You're going to get some big plays. Cause he was just a, He's a monster. Um, wasn't a great route runner. Wasn't a great technician. Wasn't super fast. Made huge plays in huge games. Yep. Um, man, I could talk about this all day. You guys got me really <laughs> reminiscent about some of these. Well, I think, but, but right where times. you're going, I think, is a good question because you talk about Joe Douglas, huge plays in huge games. Mm-hmm. We've got you on, obviously, huge plays in huge games. You know, catch to send us the national championship. You're talking about Mark Mariani, huge plays. One of the jumps up to me is the punt return or the kick return against South Dakota State and the comeback mm-hmm. a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. You hear a lot of those. And then we've got, you know, Junior Bergen, mm-hmm. who's a receiver, although he's not doing quite as much in the receiving game as he is in the return game. But as far as like moments that obviously impact games, it kind of feels like he's that guy in this playoff run where people are going to remember, boy, Junior Bergen put us on his back. Where do you think that he kind of fits in and in that conversation, I know stats aren't the only way you look at something like that. So thank you for saying that because that's kind of the, the, that's kind of the direction I was going right there. There's stats and then there's plays of consequence. And I I don't even know junior. Does he have 30, 40 catches this year as a receiver? Uh, You know, and it, and, and my point is who cares? Yep. Because when you look back on this season, for them, you can't mention the Grizz without Junior Bergen because, and again, it's not to disparage anybody else. They're not there if not if if he's not on the field. Nope. And so, I to me that puts him right up there with anybody else you want to put in in those categories. Um, I think, and that's why I rate Mark so high. Um. That's why when I think back on my career, what I think the most about is the playoff run my senior year. Um, Because I always wanted to be that guy. Like, again, watching the Joe Douglases, you know, when I was young, I was like, I, I want to make big plays in huge games. Um, And I got really fortunate, you know, over that that playoff run that we had where it just it just worked out that that I got a lot of balls. Um had two or three, you know, really big games, multiple touchdown games. And, um, and to me that that's, that's, what's meaningful. You can catch, you know, curls and hitches and screens in the regular season. And that's cool. And that's all good. But when it's playoff time 
and it's snowing at Washington Grizz and, you know, we need to play. Those are the guys that, that, that fans remember. And junior again, 20 years from now, you know, I'm 22 or three years removed from that. Everybody still says, man, I remember, I remember the catch in the semifinal game. I remember the, the they don't remember a, a random 40 yard touchdown I had in the regular season, you know? And so junior has written his name in those books and he's right at the top of Grizz lore forever because of the magnitude of the plays that he's been able to make. Um, that's what I think makes him special. Absolutely. Um, do you have a few more minutes to hang with us? Hundred percent. Mark's in the waiting room, so I think I'll oh, bring him on. Yeah, do a yeah, little uh, uh, crossover here. And Brent had had tech difficulties again, so he had to reboot. So he's coming back on too. Um, but uh, it's perfect timing for Mark to join us because we were just talking about kind of moments and and where you guys rank and stuff like that. So when he gets on, we'll um, we'll ask his opinion on that. But while well, we're waiting for him to jump on. Brent did check, and Yo is still the season and all-time rush leader. He's most carries in a game, most yards in a game, tied for most rushing touchdowns in a game. The thing that amazes me about Yo's stats is that was before playoff stats got to count in all-time numbers. So, so let me just make a little plug for myself because none of my playoffs. Because you, Joe Douglas, like none of my. It's not an apples to apples on these lists. I I, I was looking. I was looking. This was some years ago, and and somebody was asking me about where I ranked. I was like, I honestly, I I have no idea. So I looked it up, and I saw like my total touchdowns, and I was like, that can't be right Um, because I I think I've got like seven or eight playoff touchdowns that that don't count, you know? So I was like, this is garbage, but um, yeah, it, it's, it's uh, you throw Yo's playoff numbers in and I'll say this too. And, and I'm even going to, I hope you, I hope Mark can't hear all the trash. We talked about him before he got on. Um, <laughs> no, I'm playing. Well, that now, confirms that I he will, can hear us. We got to smile. Right. I will say this again. And now I sound like the old guy that's trying to like, you know, if you guys remember what the field was like at Washington Grizzly Stadium in December and November, <laughs> pre-field turf. So, Yo Humphrey and myself, any stats you see that we had, we were we were doing that on the equivalent of an asphalt parking lot iced over wearing little little nub rubber turf shoes that you would wear on AstroTurf. If you guys remember some of those games, I mean, it was a it was a skating rink out there. Um, yeah. And so, again, I say that for for Yo Humphrey, you know, if you I think his only year that that his senior year they put that turf in, um, and he got to play on that turf his senior year. But you know, who knows what he would have done in the playoffs? In in the semifinal game against App State, we just stopped running the ball because there they couldn't get any footing him and drink Walter were sliding all over the place. Um, so that, that probably plays into it too. Mark was lucky. He got to play all those games on that nice, fast field turf. No, I'm just, Hey, playing. listen, it's like a brand new paved interstate, man. Jimmy and the boys, Jimmy and the boys paved that thing so beautifully for us. And we just drove through not a single bump. Yeah. It was just magical. And I, Hey man, I've told you this before. I, I, you guys were my heroes, man. You're not hearing me complain, or you're not hearing me, you know, say anything's wrong with those yeah. statements. I no. believe, man. 
before you came on, I was I was telling them why I think you're I always defer to you as as the best, man, because of the magnitude of the plays that you made. Um, you know, everybody can catch a hitch or a slant or a curl in in the regular season, and that's all cool. But when it's like game time and you gotta come up with a play, some of the plays you made are are the 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 magnitude and the consequence of those plays is what is what puts you right up at the top, brother. Well, I appreciate you, man. You're my hero, man. I was just <laughs> trying to follow in your footsteps, you boys, but um, I gotta I gotta just double down on something. I didn't hear the full start of the conversation, but I I, I gotta put this out there. We have the conversation every time about these record books. It's not that hard. It wouldn't be that hard to go back and just right? put all the games in. I don't understand what the problem is. And um a lot of these guys, I mean, Jimmy's years, but the the 95, 96 teams too were, were lighting it up. I mean, all those numbers, I just don't understand when the change was made and why it's such a big issue. Um, and you know, when you're playing, honestly, when you, when you're playing and, and everything, I didn't give it much thought, any of the records we were doing, we, we didn't t think about it that much, but the farther you get removed from, from it and you go back and you have these types mm -hmm. of conversations and you start talking records, it just doesn't seem like it seems like everything has an asterisk when you're comparing where the, where the record started started using playoff games and stopped. It just doesn't right. make a lot of sense. Well, yeah. Mark, first of all, thanks for joining us. Anybody who hasn't figured out Mark Mariani's joined us. Another That's my uh, guy right there. You guys know that? That's my guy right there. <laughs> you you saved my butt so many times. Look at him. He was my freshman. He was my freshman year <laughs> RA at Runaway Hall, dude. Runaway Hall 57. Mark, were you, no in, were you in he played football for half the year? So because well, I, I didn't play football for half the year. Mark, were you in were you in Aber Hall or Craig Hall? No, bro. I was a non-preferred punk walk-on who was in Dunaway 157. Oh, wow. Dunaway. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So okay. I love that's why you know, I think it was Brent, whoever was and look at samples. God, you're beautiful. <laughs> but, uh, Brent, Brent was talking, hey, we want to talk about, you know, your career and all this stuff. Well, this guy right here, Mike Nugent, he could tell the story better than anyone, dude. I can't imagine what your perception was. Just this skinny little punk from Haver walking through the doors. Yeah, I'm here to play some football, guys. This is yeah. well, it, was, it was you and Tim Anderson right on that floor. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're the only two football guys. So, yep. um, And actually, Luke, who does the pod with us, too, was an RA that year, too. But he's off with his girlfriend's family doing whatever today. You know, not committed. <laughs> Uh, hey, uh, Jimmy, hang on one quick thing, Mike. Uh, Jimmy and Mark, we were talking numbers and stats and stuff, and I'm looking at the Grizz record book, and there is one statistic where you two are side by side. It's kind of a weird one, but it is uh, average yards per catch. Now, Mark, mm -hmm. you were 18.4, and Jimmy, you were 17.31, but there was someone ahead of the two of you. So here's some uh, Grizz trivia. Who was it? And it was by... One one hundredth of a yard on average at eighteen point four one. Can you give us a give us a decade? Nineties. Uh, Atu Molden. No, he would have been two thousand one. Was it Shallon Baker, the touchdown maker? Also, was it Wellsy? Was it Wellsy? It was not Wells. Isn't those are all good guesses. Gern it must be Guernsey. Oh, Scott Guernsey. 
Wrong again. Damn. Mar- Marvin Turk from 1990 to 1991 averaged 18.41 18. yards. Dang. Okay, I'm a bad I, fan. I don't remember. I would have never guessed. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that name. I, that's a good pull there. Yeah, I would have never guessed that. It's like a final Jeopardy question that nobody's going to get. <laughs> right. <laughs> but immediately when you, say, when you say 90s, though, I go straight to the, you know, oh, yeah. glory years in the mid 90s. I, I didn't yeah. even, I couldn't even. Yeah, you're not thinking of like the building block years, are you? Yeah. No, I missed that one. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mark, when you were coming on, what what's what stemmed that was we had been talking about um, – uh, Brent asked Jimmy if there's one guy that he could take from from his era of Grizz teams and put on this team to help, and he picked uh, Yo Humphrey. And then we were just talking about how Yo is the career leader even without the playoff stats. But I think we'd throw the same question to you, just kind of kick this off on your end. If there was one guy that you could pick from your era that you think would make a huge difference for this team right now, who wow. do you think you're going with? Oh, my gosh, guys. Um. That's a pretty hard question off the top. Gosh, I I wish I had a good answer. You can uh, think about it for a little while. Yeah, come. let me think about it. I got a selfish answer. <laughs> I'd give any. I, I wouldn't help. I wouldn't help the cause at all. But I'd give anything to suit up one more time, boys. Man, um, Man. I mean, I, I don't. I can't say that I would add too much after what Junior's doing and the boys and Fonts at uh, receiver or whoever else. But. Uh, but just to suit him up one more time, I'd, I'd give a lot. Um, but I think about it and I'm thinking about, you know, immediately you just go to, you know, kind of some of the studs and, and interior, maybe D line, O line type situation. But I'm thinking going, dude, Gilman's a savage. I mean, my brother in law, Cole Burke, was, was spinning the ball pretty good at the time, but I don't even know. Is it Alex Dub- Dubner? Dubner. Yeah, I mean, how can you replace? Like, who would I put? It's that's what I said. Yeah, I I made I qualified it. I said this is not to discredit or disparage any of the current guys. Like, because I picked I picked Yo, and I was like, and that's not because I think they're deficient with Eli and Osmo. It's just because Yo's Yo, you know. No, I hear you. All right, I'm gonna I gotta think about that for a second. Um, But I'll tell you one of the things that I think about when I look back and been on memory lane here for the last few weeks is, um, you know, what's crazy is Oh seven with Lex and then, and maybe even Oh six, but Oh seven with Lex Oh eight with chase and Oh nine with chase. Every single year of my career, we broke the rushing records at the University of Montana. So when it went Lex and then it was Chase and then it was Chase again. And so I think about some of the record books and I, I kind of look at some of the numbers go, how in the hell we didn't even, we, we weren't, I didn't think of us as a majorly explosive offense, but then the record, the the yards and all those things that you talk about, we stacked them up, but I just, man, I can't think we were just such a bunch of scrappy uh, you know, we're the type of guys in a bar fight that like scratch and bite and like do like all the cheap stuff to you. The trenches, we had to make up for our lack of athleticism somehow. And so, I mean, I think of like my junior year, like a JD Quinn type guy, just a mean, nasty dude on the line. Like, how could you ever not want somebody like that? Um, but I mean, that's a good answer because we, you know, we got injury concerns on the line right now. So that's, that's right. 
Having J.D. Quinn in the rotation wouldn't hurt anything. Levi Horn would be a good one. Taron Hillsland. We had some bruisers up front mm-hmm. that can move people. Um, so I don't know. That'd be hard. It's a hard one for me. I mean, I also love the boys. I mean, I think of like our defense. Our defense was just nasty. And you think of Sean Lebsock. Sean Lebsock for middle linebacker was what? 5'10", 230 or something. And just not, so like not very big, but just mm-hmm. laid the wood, dude. Laid the wood. Gatorade player of the year in Montana. All those things. Shan Schillinger, absolute ball hawk. Mm-hmm. What was fun about our teams, I felt like, was we just – Somehow, some way, we almost lose to freaking Western State or something, you know, a D2 school. But somehow, some way, when the moment came down to it, it was like, boys, we need that ball back, man. We need that ball back. And somehow, you know, a George Mercer pick or a Sev Campbell pick. And you're like, wow, we did get the ball back. <laughs> How did that happen? You know what? You know what that if I can interject, I mean, I. You know, I may, I, I don't know, I may rile some feathers with this, but one of the things that was so unique about Montana football, certainly in my era and and still in Mark's era, that I think contributes to what he's talking about is there were so many Montana guys on those teams that grew up only wanting to play for the Grizz that got overlooked by other people that, you know, to the point about the linebacker, he's talking about, you know, five, 10 guy, not, a, not a guy that on paper people are going to say, Oh yeah, this, this guy's a, you know, four-star recruit. We had so many of those type of guys that it, we were so close and it was such a family and such a team and playing for all of the, the intangible stuff that when I think about guys, when we needed huge plays, it was Andy Pedic from Helena. You know, it's, it's, it's all these, these, these hardcore old school Montana guys that were like, we, we were from Montana. We play for Montana. We rep Montana up with Montana and we were, and, and those teams came together around that. It was like Montana versus F and everybody. And I was from right across the border in Idaho. And I was like, shit, I want to be, a, I want to be from Montana. You know, I was like, I'm a Montana kid now. Um, and 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 this team is I feel like this team has somehow this current team has come together like that around the group of guys that they have. Um, and it's it makes a special bond um, that you just don't get. You certainly don't get that. Mark can speak to this, too. You don't get that in the pros. You don't get that in the pros. Sometimes you make sometimes you come together, you make a real good. But it's not the same, you know, and so that's why these type of teams in these type of games playing for championships, it's so special and you never forget it because of the way you come together as a, it's a cliche, but as a family and as brothers playing for much more than just a trophy, who cares about that? I care less about rings, trophies, whatever. I want the experience with my best friends and my family. And that's what this team reminds me of some of Mark's teams and some of the teams that I played on because of that togetherness. Yeah, I mean, he's he pretty much – I mean, he's spot on. I don't think you can say it any better. But I got asked yesterday on a, on a call, you know, how, what, what, how do you do that? And how do you – you, you know, if you're a coach and you're in high school or college or pros or whatever, how do, you, how do you coach that or build that chemistry or get to that point, get to that place 
where like Jimmy is saying, like you're playing for each other, man. You're playing for the guy next to you and the name on the front of the jersey, and and you're playing to not let your boys down, and you're playing, uh, you know, like it is all against the world in a street fight. And so, you know, when you're in that when you're in that locker room and you're in that time, you know, from the moment we walk through the door, because of these guys, because of the late '90s and early 2000s teams that started all these streaks, we were a team. You know, we were on in the middle of a whatever 16 year Big Sky Championship run and all these winning streaks and beating the cast, all this stuff. It's like you look yourself in the mirror and go, you know, these guys came before you think we're going to be the class that's going to let that down. And the boys yep. kind of band together. It's like talk about a little weight room, you know, bulletin board materials like you think it's going to be us that lets <laughs> that lets this streak yep. in. You think it's going to be us that, uh, you know, whatever. And when you train like that and you grind like that and you are playing for the, for the ultimate, you know, for the championship instead of for the individual awards, man, something special does happen. And, and I'll tell you to Jimmy's point, when we're in the middle of it, you just did it. You didn't know yeah. you're almost a soldier and you just like, you knew you were top ranked in the country and you were getting everybody's shot every week. You knew that you were the big dogs and that people were coming, you know, they schedule their homecoming around you. They, they want to beat you. They want to knock you off every single week. And it's just epic. And you, and you, and you just go and you go and you just figure out a way to win whatever, but it's not till after. Right. And you go, whatever I got to, we, we Jimmy and I played a little after and, and all that stuff. And you, you kind of go and look for that or whatever, when it's not there, you seek out that, that feeling, whatever. And it just isn't there. And it's, that's why when you look back on those times, when I look back on my college years at the university, it's like, that was so special. And I don't know why it was or how, except for these, you know, bunch of punks got together and just decided to get after it. And um, it, it does become a pretty special moment. So um, Mark, I'll start with you. And then Jimmy, you can answer this too. What do you think of the schedule difference? So obviously, when you guys went to these games, it was turn around and figure this out in a week. And I know because I traveled to Chattanooga. I mean, it was a, that was chaotic as a fan too. Whereas now there's you know three plus weeks to kind of figure this out and kind of set your routine and do a regular practice. What do you think about this new championship game schedule? New being the way it's been since the last time we were there, I guess. But. Well, I I I think it's I personally think it would be a challenge um, to stay focused, stay dialed in, especially through the holidays. I'm sure, I don't know how the schedule looked through, you know, week being down or whatever through holidays, do kids travel, do they go back or whatever. Um, and so I think that's a little bit of an unknown to me. I, I'm curious how, to how, how they handle it, but then you see college teams that are doing it too. Um, but I think staying focused and staying dialed in, I think getting healthy is nice you know, you talk about the O line. If we can get healthy up front, that's going to go a long ways to slowing down this defense. I think so. That's huge. Um, but I think it comes. Maybe maybe some of that stuff is a challenge till you get to right here, right, a week out or whatever. To maybe Monday, I'm saying. But till when you get to game week, it's dialed in, man. You're dialed. You don't have to. You don't have to worry. You know, you've gotten there, and I think all the travel comes in and all the you know, you're going to Chattanooga or Briscoe or wherever and the pageantry starts. And I think it's, it's time to lock in and, and get after it, but I definitely think it'd be a challenge to stay focused for those few weeks. 
I look, I like it the way the way Mark and I did it much better. Um, because one of the things that's really important in a playoff run is momentum. And the the team my senior year in particular, like we we caught some momentum. You know, we we came out of the last couple of weeks of the regular season, really kind of on a high. We lost. You guys remember we lost that first game to Hofstra, and then we were ranked, you know, six, seven, eight a lot of the year. We kind of slowly inched up, and then I think we played Weber. We beat Weber, and we were number one in the country. And then we played the Cats, and we beat them. And so it was like we finally gotten back to that number one spot. We had we were kind of on a high. We went right into the playoffs and blasted Eastern Illinois, and we went right through. And so only having a quick turnaround, that one-week turnaround, it felt like we were still on that high, riding that momentum. I feel like if we would have then taken a month off, possibility that it almost feels like a new season, like a new – everything's new and – I, I just think that that the FCS it's it's special and it should be a little bit different. Um, so the idea that you know we're going to try to make it like every other bowl game where there's a month off after the season ends, I I'm sure that was from a financial standpoint. There's there's a lot of pros to it, and that's why they did it <laughs> for the the reasons that you guys were talking about. But I would much rather have played the semifinal game had one day to get in the cold tub and get a massage and then turn right back around and, and start gearing up for the national championship. Um, much rather didn't done it that way. That's the way we did it. Mark did it that way. And uh, you just feel like you keep that momentum and that magic, you know, whatever you got going, it's like, you don't have to wait for it. it you just, you get to just slide right into the championship. So I wish they still did it that way selfishly, but um, you know, there's obviously probably financial implications that make it the way that it is now. Well, and if I can complain a little bit too, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna take whatever three weeks, whatever our time difference gap is, and then you have to play it on a Sunday afternoon and compete right? NFL schedule. Yeah. Why would you do that if you did this whole thing to give play it on Saturday night? Yep. Play it, play it, play it where you're the only game on, and showcase the playoff system, the FCS Sunday afternoon on week. 18 of the NFL. Why it makes no sense. I just, that I, I, my, one of my buddies told me that I no, no, I just was very sure. I was like, no, it's not. It's uh the week after the season. Ended. And I looked, I'm like, Oh my God, what a month's in there. I just can't, I don't understand it. And, but um, you know, it's all good. It is what it is because I'll tell you why being down here when the Grizz are on ESPN again, you know, the last two weekends or, you know, the last two games when they're on ESPN and it's the late night game, whatever, there's not a lot of other stuff on. Then my phone starts blowing up like, dude, your boys. I'm like, <laughs> oh, that stadium, all the, you know, the snow's coming. Look at these overtimes. And it's just like, talk about instant exposure for your university and for the FCS and for the whole thing. It's And it was just, I mean, it literally was the only game on, even though it was late, but you sat there and went, that's what we need, man. That's that's the exposure we're looking for. That's how you translate and and take that momentum and build your university back and build your program back and get those recruits to see you and whatever um, is by being in. And then they put us at two o'clock on a Sunday. And 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 Mark, how about how about just to give more love, credibility, whatever you want to call it, to to FCS football. 
That's right. Uh, listen, you never put a bowl game of a you know of a power five on a Sunday to compete with the NFL. Never, never. And and here's the thing, my kind of you know my my issue with all of that is there there are great great and and it's starting to get you're starting to see more FCS guys in the league being higher draft picks like being big time players in the league but for so many years it, you know when it was 1AA it's like oh you played at a lower level it's like listen i went you probably experienced this too i'll i'll talk a little trash i went to 49ers camp as a rookie and then all throughout my career in the league and we'd have these guys you know come in as late round draft picks from SEC schools and I'm thinking this guy wouldn't have started at Montana. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> How many of those guys, Mark? For real? That's right, nonstop. Right, and 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 it's like I played better DB. I played against better DB. You got you started in the Pac-12 for three years. Like I'm I'm out here cooking you, and there was better DBs in 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 one double A. My point is this idea that that like the Big Sky in particular, and I'm obviously I'm pro Big Sky, the best. I hadn't noticed. Hundred okay percent, bro. Here. Bro, Big Sky, best conference in one double in FCS, hands down. They can Southland Conference and all whatever, right? Consistently, the Big Sky has the best rivalries, the best matchups, the best stadiums, the best atmosphere, the best players, and um, we don't get any love like on a big stage. And and so, can can we at least get our championship game featured? Yeah, as a feature right. on like a Friday night or a Saturday night to Mark's point where it's like the main thing going on ESPN and they hype it up and showcase these guys that that a lot of them are going to probably end up at the very least being undrafted free agents on NFL teams like there's some big time players every year that come out of FCS that are that are impactful players in the NFL Mark, you know, Mark only went to a Pro Bowl in his rookie year. So why can't these guys get some love on on the big platform? You know, that that pisses me off just because there's really good football being played in FCS and in the big sky in particular, and they just don't they don't want to showcase it. It's crazy. It um, almost got me to miss the game. When I went to, to book my flights, I didn't expect that it was gonna be on a Sunday. I hadn't paid attention to that. And so when I went to book my flights, I initially booked it to fly out Sunday afternoon. Right. So I would have completely missed the game. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, I the Sunday thing is really weird, even if you separate that from the schedule, because if they wanted it to be just like a bowl game, they could have also done it at the schedule of all these bowl games. Like the whole thing. Exactly. Is, you know, and, and then make it a bowl game. Go find a sponsor, yeah. make it a bowl game, because people would watch it. So absolutely. I, I don't know. Yeah, it not just, only I, the people not only do people watch it, but you got psychopaths like us, our fan base, um, and and others who who travel to it better than some of these totally unattended games. This is a national championship for us. It's not a six and six bowl game, right? We really, do a better job selling it. Um, and I don't. Again, I don't. I hate to be taking anything away of what we're. I mean, of what we're going to and and whatever. But I, I kind of felt a little slighted there that in the sense of. I just I just don't like Sundays. I don't like being competing against the NFL because you just know how big they are, and you know that every 
bar and restaurants going to be tuned into the red zone and whatever, just because it's Sunday. Yeah. And if you just put us on any other day, we'll play on Monday for all I care, you know, whatever, make it Monday afternoon at two. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Just put us on when, you know, when there's, then when, when we can be the big dogs, but yeah. anyway. And, and it used to be that way. Like when, when I played in it, it was, it was, you know, I think we played like, uh, I think the game was like December 17th or something. It was like the weekend before Christmas. So we were, we were prime time on ESPN with no competition, maybe other than like you said, a, a six and six, uh, you know, bowl game, some, some non-existent or, you know, bowl game that nobody cared about. We did 20 years ago. We did get the kind of a prime time Saturday evening afternoon spot on ESPN. And so it's like they've regressed in that respect. So, um, you know, we're just the old bitter guys now, though. So whatever. <laughs> right. Hey, uh, no, <laughs> Mark and Jimmy, one of the questions we had on here is kind of like uh, beyond your playing days now as fans, what's like a, a favorite uh moment uh post playing days uh grizz moment for the two of you uh watching this team i'll start yeah i'll start on that one for me it was the overtime game against app state in the snow tell me what year that was guys uh oh nine it didn't go to overtime it ended right at the okay right and and the kid the kid um made the touch the kid caught a touchdown in, in the snow on the other end zone like Damon. yep yeah it was just a a total rewind i mean it was like um it was cool it was like a better version of our game because it was you know the stadium had lights by then and it was um so it was under the lights and it was snowing and it was against app state in a semifinal game and and so for me just for personal reasons that was almost like reliving history you know as i sat and watched that game i was like there's no way it's snowing again it's an it's a it's app state in the semis um you're right it didn't go to overtime uh but yeah one of our receivers made a essentially like a game winning or a catch that gave us the lead um on a fade route opposite end zone but um that one stands out for me for sure and then then they got the ball back and 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 had the game winning drive and we had to stop them in the north end zone yeah. yeah, right what in front of my crazy? seat. Some of the greatest, some of the greatest things that have ever happened at that stadium been right in front of me. <laughs> oh, dude, that is awesome. Who, who made who made that catch, Mark? Who made that catch that I'm talking about? His name mm-hmm. is Javen Sambrano. Some Sambrano, yes, yes, yep. I always got him confused with uh, Samari Torre, thinking oh, like yeah. I, I would think I, when I would think back, I'd be like, oh, that was Torre that made that catch, but he was years later. But yeah, Sambrano, you're right. Yep, you guys, Jayden. man, that was so fun to watch you guys. I, if you remember, Mark, I went to um, Chattanooga that year. I was still living in Atlanta, and I drove up. And I, when you guys played in the championship against Villanova, um, yeah. I chatted with you for a minute on the sideline. But after that game, I was like, oh shit, I'm I'm gonna be at the championship game. So I drove up from Atlanta. <laughs> I do and, remember and, uh, that absolutely. Yeah. Yep. That's hey, man. I'm telling you, you don't. I've told you before, but I'm I was one of those Montana boys that grew up. I always say it. We didn't have great. TV coverage back then, but it was always Mick Holine's voice, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Coming through the radio. And here it is, the Montana Green. And it was just that that high pitch yep. thing. I'm like, dude, I just dreamed yep. of it since I was a kid. So you guys were my heroes. But man, I just 
I like this run. I mean, you got to remember. So when I, that game was my senior year, Jimmy. So then I, when I graduated, it's also the time coach Houck left mm -hmm. and sort of all that stuff started transpiring. So I don't, I'm trying to think of a good memory back, um, you know, but from between now and then, but I just got to say that, um, what's real, what's happened. And I've, I'm, I'm watching this thing from afar. Right. And it's only the last few years that I can say this about, but it has all, it has felt like, cause I go, uh, let me, let me finish the point. Cause it's felt like those slappies from the other side of the mountains, those bobcats have been getting so much love, dude. And this, they, all the, all the attention, it's not even about football. It's about the university and it's about mm -hmm. big sense, about all this stuff. And Part of me is like, just have it, whatever. But part of me is like, absolutely not, dude. We're the big dogs on campus. Yes. <laughs> and so, yes. And I go down there last year to game day, and I made it through about a quarter and a half of that beat down. And I left the game, went straight to the parking lot, and got friendly with some Jameson. And it just just because I was talking so much, <laughs> so much before that game. So, so then, so that brings me to my point in the long winded answer is is really this run that we've had this year has been so epic from a sense of not just the success on the field of course i mean but when we lose to northern arizona and barely beat ferris you're kind of going ah you know a little frustrated whatever but then to pick up the pieces and the, to go put a beat down on the cats like mm. that was so so good uh, but then to go on this run, and like I said, the last uh, two weeks, especially, um, I'm trying to think who we played. Delaware wasn't it wasn't as much national coverage, but the last two weeks with all the national coverage, the games and and how they've come out, and obviously seeing Junior Bergen become a Grizz legend and break the punt return records and all that stuff, all in one stretch, you know, having that stuff, being able to watch it from down here. I'm telling you, man. My phone lights up. Everybody down here is talking about it. I got my local radio show that I'm on. They're talking about it every week. Who do the Grizz got and all that stuff. It just feels like everything in the universe is back to the way it's supposed to be a little bit. We needed that. And we were off the rails for a few years there, honestly. I mean, we didn't have as much to cheer about. And so getting back, I know what is Coach Houck's like motto this year or something. It has something about going back to being dominant or something like that but getting back to that getting the exposure getting montana back on top has just been so fun to watch and those boys to having two overtime games under the lights has been pretty special mark you 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 said it earlier when you got on and i wanted to call it out so i'm glad that you brought it up again you said about the it's it's for the institution it's not just the football program but it's i mean I think one of the things and we've talked about on this pod, but one of the things that's been so great about this run is kind of reminding people in the region in Montana, like this is a great place to be good stuff happens at the university of Montana. You know, right. there's, there's great things that go well beyond the football program and, you know, football is kind of the front porch to the university and, you know, we need this. Like, yeah, this no, I, I, I know we, we can spend another hour talking about that too, but it's, it's, you know, enrollment and it's, perception and it's you know it's not that we're in a direct competition with the, with bozeman but it is this whole back and forth especially for in-state kids you know where are you gonna go whatever and we're down and this and that and i always i've been down here harping it 
just spew into whoever will listen, but look at what Colorado did and look at the exposure that they brought. And there's not a single student, their whole enrollment is filled for 2024 because <laughs> what they did with their football program. And I don't, you know, I, I know we went through a whole run around of trying to get the indoor facility or the, the indoor field built and had to fight over the dirt and all this stuff. And it's been that way since forever that we don't really work together with the university as far as in the sense of all that stuff. But I just, I got to say, man, feels like when the Grizz are winning football games and, and things are back in place, it just feels like the university and everything is, is back on track. And um, I think it's an important part. And again, I live in SEC country too. If anybody realizes it, it's it's all these small towns in the SEC. You look at the SEC, all of them are in pretty small towns in the middle of nowhere. But they know that football, that football especially, but sports in general, sells their school. And these facilities are out of hand down here. And I just wish we'd take a page out of that book because we could be, we don't need to be talked at a, about as 1B when it comes to the state of Montana, baby. It's it's the University of Montana and and everybody else is second. I like that. So, um, you know, we, we're, we're into this pod. We've got two great all time, great wide receivers. We felt like we needed to balance it out a little bit with the favorite backup running back of this pod. Um, you know, another guy with some, some playing time in national championships, Andrew Schmidt kind of calling in. To, oh uh, yes. Keep us grounded. Am I on the right pod? Oh my, look who it is. <laughs> uh, what's going on here? We have professionals and then me. Oh my professional God. shit poster. Hey, nothing <laughs> makes me happier than to open up the X account <laughs> and see and see Andrew Schmidt going at it with somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh my God. I, I appreciate that I have some fans. Um <laughs> oh, dude. You're a legend. <laughs> yeah. Well, appreciate it. Um, so, uh, yeah. What do you guys want to talk about? How right I was? <laughs> so, you guys probably don't listen every week, but I mean, we we had a pod after NAU where Brent sampled me and we had Schmidt come on and we thought the world was ending and we talked about all the concerns about is the staff too old? What are they doing? You know, and Andrew probably took it the farthest where, where the fan base is now convinced that he is, he owes them a dunk tank to show how wrong he was. I, I think I do. Um, well, see, part of the problem is when you wake up every morning and you light your fireplace with your hot takes, um, it, you gotta, you know, take the good with the bad, you know, it's just, sometimes you get caught up the air up in the air with, uh, a couple drinks and, uh, you say some things and, uh, and you end up having to commit to a dunk tank. Now, I, I do want people to go back and listen. I said a virtual dunk tank where you guys send your best insults to me and the <laughs> best insult wins the prize. Okay. But I think now uh, it, I kind of became a thing and now it has to happen. So uh, part of the problem, I, I mentioned this on Twitter is uh, or X or whatever you want to call it. Um, it's kind of hard to rent a dunk tank in the middle of winter. <laughs> um that people are like you know when hypothermia is a real concern um they don't want to rent you a dunk tank and the other issue is how do i fill it when like water's closed uh or turned off and so i'm thinking start 
first game next year. We'll do it. We'll make it a thing. Uh, raise money for for the university. You dunk tank. You dunk me for however amount of money we come up with. But we we will actually do it. Um, and and one thing this I know this is an audio medium for most people, but since this started happening, okay, every time I get on Instagram. I get these ads for these ice barrels to, <laughs> to dunk myself in. I'm not even shitting you. They come up on Instagram every day. So uh, I'm, I'm glad that uh, <laughs> some good is coming of this. I think they're probably trying to tell you that the cold plunge is really good for your mind. Um, and so maybe you'll think more clearly and have better takes if you start cold plunging on a daily basis. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think so. Uh, my <laughs> takes are always bad or, you know, uh, hot, I would say. Yeah. But Jimmy, nice to meet you. Uh, uh, Jimmy, nice to meet you. I uh, I don't know if I've run into you before, but we have a mutual friend, uh, Nick Harris. Oh, yeah. Uh, from Yeah, from Idaho. Yeah. And uh, I remember him because I'm friends with a, my best friend with the Boise State. He was actually Nick's roommate at Boise State. And he would put me through workouts that you were doing with like Terrell Owens and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So Nick, uh, yeah, quick. So Nick played high school. My brother was an assistant coach at a high school, played for Nick. That's how I met him. Um, and then when he was playing at Boise State, I brought him out to Atlanta a couple of times to work out with the group that I was working out with. And and um, yeah, so we Nick and I are still good friends. I just talked to him a couple of days ago. He so said he was gonna uh, try to meet up with you. And I don't yeah, know if you're that's around. funny. Yeah. Small world, small yeah, world. Absolutely. Um, I will say, uh, I, I don't know what those those particular hot takes. Um, I don't know what all the chatter was around that time about the coaching staff and those kind of things. Um, I will say, and, and I think you know, maybe Mark can speak on this a little bit too. Um, it's always interesting to me how, and this is in, in, in no kind of a slight on anybody at all. Former players always view that stuff a little bit differently. Um, you know, I certainly at times was like, ah, what are we doing here? You know, with play calls and, and Brent Pease is an old, I've known Brent for 25 years. He was the O coordinator back when I was there. Um, then he was O coordinator here at Boise state. So I would go into his office and chat with him and, uh, you know, but sometimes, you know, you question stuff like that, but, um, the, the overreaction Monday type stuff, um, is usually much greater from fans and pundits and things than it is from former players, because we just see it differently. It's like, you know, you can get blown out in a game and you look at the film and it's like, man, we, we played really well. Actually, we just had a couple things, you know, a bad penalty here and a turnover there that made it look really bad. And then there's other times when you blow a team out and you're like, dude, we're actually not playing very well at all. Like we were trash that game. We were just lucky. The other team was worse. And so, you know, I remember what I was thinking at that point in this season of um, questioning some of that stuff, but just thinking like, oh man, they're, they just got to solidify a couple things and, and, you know, a couple plays here. And that's why I started off the podcast saying, you know, once they decided on cliff as the guy, I think everything turned around and it's just one, you know, a small little piece like that, that you get solidified and then a couple things get cleaned up and, and you end up in a national championship, you know, in my defense, 
if you listen to it back, I did say they had to play Cliff, right? I was like, they need to run the ball. They need to lean in that identity. They need they need to do something like that because the other guy just wasn't working out. But I mean, that game, it, it, it's it's like you had guys walking on the field while the quarterback was getting sacked. He had like DBs that weren't following receivers in motion at all, like and just allowing first downs to happen. Like they looked really really bad and i i asked that question right mike i said what could anyone from this team play for our teams from oh oh four to or oh three to oh nine like i don't think any of them are that talented um and since that moment they've thankfully proven me wrong i was gonna say you know that jordan meme where he's out there and i took that personally yeah 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 (laughs) But yeah. like throughout the season, like junior, maybe you're just, the reason. Maybe yeah. they heard what? you. My my new Twitter handle is known motivator because that's what uh, Palmer <laughs> called me in the in. He, well, he's a known motivator, so I changed it to that. Um, <laughs> so no, I uh, I was listening to Mark your interview with uh, Tom Wiley. Um, oh yeah, uh, and Tom Tom and I actually went to high school together. Um, but anyway. Uh, you were mentioning how like junior is now like the greatest of all time, like punt returner. Like, I I don't know if I could have said that about anyone on this squad after that NAU game, but he has been absolutely fantastic. And governor has been absolutely fantastic. And Everett Braxton Hill has been fat. Like these guys have like that meme taken it personal and they've played their hearts out. And this team is so fun to watch because they just care. Like they care for one another. It reminds me of our teams back in, in 08, like 09, those teams where we, like we weren't the best, like we, we weren't the most athletic, but we, we weren't the biggest, that's for sure. But everyone really tried every single last breath to get the win every single week. And that's what this reminds me of. It's really cool to see. Well, and to Jimmy's point, I think, you know, there's certain records and people like to talk numbers and, you know, best punt returner of all time. Why? Because he has the most of all time. But it's when you do it in back-to-back games in the quarterfinals and then the semifinals, when you have overtime games, which those plays made such a massive difference. And you just, you just become, you just, you know, ingrain yourself and you, you become a legend. I mean, you, in those moments in the North end zone, it's just, we live for it, man. And, and as players, like I said, you don't even know what you're doing. You're just a soldier and you're just grinding. You're just, you're just trying to get your PRs better and you're trying to whatever. And when game time comes, you try to smack people, people around. But when you remove yourself and become a fan or are looking at the game in a different different angle, different perspective, you can look back on it and go, that is freaking special, man. And those games that night, especially, so uh, I actually have to jump off here in a little bit, but my local radio show that I'm on, the woman who's on the, on, on the show, she was the sideline reporter for ESPN that night. And she was hitting me up the whole game. And she was like, what is this place? And I was like, I told you. (laughs) It's the great place on the planet so she's been talking about it nonstop every time because she got to be there firsthand for that the other night and 
against NDSU. And for somebody to realize Schmidt, you're a good old Montana boy. Like when you grow up and, and I know Jimmy's right. You saw it too, but that's what, that was our soup. That was our pro team. I mean, we didn't have anything that close besides that. That's what it was. But when you look and go, that place is unique. It's special. And on a night like to that light night nights like that, you ingrain yourself as a legend in, in, in Grizz lore, I think. And that's why I think he's the best ever. Jimmy, you were about to chime in there. Well, it was just going to be on the point that, that Mark was making about, about the, the stadium and the atmosphere and, and, how crazy that all is. Um, you know, everybody likes to say, you know, we got the best fans in the country or whatever we actually do. Um, in the best stadium and the best environment, my first couple of years in the league, uh, randomly, you know, would meet guys that, um, played against us or, uh, you know, when I was in my fourth year, we'd have a rookie that that had gone to Montana and, and and played a playoff game there, and they they would all say, "Man, we played at you know Auburn or we played at these other stadiums," and they're like, "Hands down, Montana was the wildest place that we played compared to big time like SEC type stadiums." And I've been in some of those stadiums; they hold more people. But the atmosphere, you know, the fans at, at Washington Grizz are right on top of you. Um, and it's rowdy and it's, um, you know, in the playoffs, it's cold and it's crazy. Uh, I, you talk about the best home field advantage in the country. Hands down. It's it's unique, man. It's Mark. Mark talked about living in SEC country. I lived there. I lived in SEC country for 17 years. I went to a lot of Georgia games, Alabama games, these places. Um it's unique in Missoula. It's just different. And and I don't care what the cats do. That crappy stadium they have will never compare. Um, it'll never be the same atmosphere. Those the 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 game day experience will never compare. And no other place in the FCS, certainly, and most places, you know, most power five places can hope that they're on the level that that Washington Grizz is, especially in the playoffs. Crazy game like that. Um I just think it's the best place in the country. Of course, I'm biased, but other people agree. So, I saw that. Uh, I was mentioning this on on Twitter. The I saw that list when the playoffs were happening of the ten loudest stadiums, and Washington Grizzlies was tenth, and it was like next to you know Jordan Hare and Autzen and Washington. Um, Mark, were you there in 05 at Oregon? No. Um, that's the only time I've ever heard it louder than Wagner is. That was when Jonathan Stewart took the opening kickback for a touchdown, his first touch as a freshman, like five-star running back. Um, <laughs> he picked it up off a hop, ran it in for a touchdown, and I was next to uh McIntyre, uh Dan McIntyre, and I was like, Holy shit! And I couldn't hear myself. Like I, <laughs> it was that loud. But it gets <laughs> it gets like that loud at at Walker is like I wasn't there for that game, but like during my time, I mean, it got loud for the the throwbacks. I remember how loud it was that game. It, it gets deafening. And for 25,000 people to do that, I imagine if that was multiplied by four, like uh, for Montana to do that is really incredible. I think it's time to expand the stadium. I tweeted that after the all the the uproar about. I think I think Brent, I, I I retweeted one of your things when you were talking about the fiasco of tickets. I was like, shit, just we need another deck on the on the no other more. side now. Just throw another, another 
yeah. throw a deck up on the other side and let's go. You know, the ironic thing at the end of that, to your point, was the fiasco of tickets was after all the season ticket holders claimed their tickets, there just wasn't that many tickets left. So right. it's a good problem to have. It is a hundred percent. I uh, uh I was texting Brent about this issue uh personally. Um, so I talked actually to Kent Haslam about this when he was down at the Northern Colorado game last year. Um, and he was still pissed that uh uh King George didn't let him do the full expansion um uh that they wanted to when we did the last expansion. So they wanted to go uh end zone to end zone with that deck, and then they yeah. wanted sweets the entire way. Um, and they wouldn't let him do it. And Kent's thing was like, if it, they would have let us do suites the entire way, that thing would have been paid off already. Because mm. one, you got to buy the suite, you got to buy the premium seat licensing, you have to buy them like three years at a time, you have to buy the whole package. So like the alcohol package, everything up front. Uh, and it doesn't matter if no one goes to the game, right? Mm-hmm. So they've already sold out the luxury suites. So he was gonna, he's saying that what they want to do is do suites on a the whole side of the stadium um and me and brent were talking about it. i don't know if there's space over there on the what west side or if they need to dig down or if it, there's enough support <clears> there <throat> but he was saying that what they wanted to do is do like four stories of suites and just do that for the entire side of the stadium one or the other can i interrupt real fast um i gotta hop off yep but it's great to see you guys i'm gonna i'll be in frisco um so if any of you guys are going uh, we're we're going to try to, there's my call. We're going to have a, uh, see if we can get a red beer like they serve at the Mo Club somewhere. So like I'm going to, hey, I'm gonna thanks go for squeezing hunt. us in, Mark. We really, I'm going to go on a hunt all through, all through Frisco to find it. And I'll, I'll, I'll take down as many as it takes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you, you guys later. Good thanks, seeing Mark. you, buddy. Good see you, Mark. Um, Jimmy, Andrew, what, uh, so switch back. This has been awesome. Uh, this people are going to love this. You guys just going back and forth and, and um, you know, the best pods we ever do are the ones where we barely talk. Um, <laughs> That's like but, everyone I'm on. Well, I mean, you like to talk. A lot. That's a <laughs> well, so does sure. Mark. I mean, come on. <laughs> but uh, what, um, and Jimmy, we talked about this a little bit earlier, kind of being the underdog, but kind of circling back to, to putting a bow on the game. What do you think Montana has to do to win this? So one of the things that um, my, my first receivers coach in the NFL, uh, a guy named George Stewart, used to say is that uh, when you go on the road, you pack two things, your defense and your special teams. And technically it's a, you know, it's a neutral site, but it's still technically a road game. And I think that mentality, taking that mentality into a championship game, packing your defense and your special teams, um, I think in particular for this Grizz team uh, is the key defense has got to play lights out and we got to get a score on special teams, whether that's a return or a block, you know, block punt that results in a score uh, causing a turnover on a kick or a punt. Those things set you up, especially in, in, in championship games, especially when you're the underdog, you know, I think about the, the, the super bowl that I won with the Patriots. We were, I don't know, 16 point underdogs or more to the Rams that year. And our defense played lights out. We had them held them to like three points through three quarters. The greatest show on turf. Um, you know, we were up like 20, I don't remember, 17 to three, maybe after three quarters. Um, 
didn't allow any big plays in this in the in special teams. And so I think that's the key. I to to I guess to put it bluntly, um gotta gotta have a similar performance as we've had in the playoffs um in the kicking game. And the defense has got to play lights out. And then that gives our offense the opportunity to play the way they want to play, which is downhill. Um we've been lucky that that we haven't gotten down big and had to rely on the offense to make all these explosive plays and, and, and put up a ton of points, even though, even though they have, um, I think our offense is better playing from ahead and playing downhill. We can run the ball, control the clock. Don't put too much pressure on cliff um, to be, you know, Pat Mahomes or somebody like that. So that's the key. In my opinion, play lights out on defense, uh, you know, win the field position battle, get a score or a big play on special teams, and then just let the offense do what they naturally do well. Schmidt? I mean, yeah. I, I keep doing what they're doing. Like, they they found that identity of, hey, just move the chains. Like, first down, second down, get it manageable. Don't make a mistake. Like, since Cliff started, like, he had that one interception against, I think, who was it, Delaware or Furman, where he, the wide receiver mis- miscommunicated. He thought he was throwing the hitch, went on hitch and go, and he just, yeah. So, like, they've been avoiding mistakes and moving the chains and playing lights out on defense. Like, that's that's who they are. And I think for them as well, one of the things is you can't let the moment get too big for you, right? Like, to them, they should look at this just like another game, take them serious. But it, they, South Dakota State, outside of Davis, their running back, I don't know if they have a guy at a single position that is the best player they have played at that position this season, if that makes any sense. So, like, their quarterback is not the best quarterback they've seen this year, right? That's probably Idaho's quarterback, right? Um, the wide receivers. Back to the finalists for the Peyton. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and uh, who is it? Hayden Hatton. Hayden Hatton's probably the best wide receiver they they saw all year. It's not going to be Janky, right? Uh, or whoever their their okay. wide receivers are. Twins. Yeah, the twins. So, like, the thing about them is they've got just great guys at every position. You know, it's like they they may not have the best player they've seen this year, but their their depth and their talent is all really, really high. But, you know, if you're governor, you should be looking at that like, hey, this isn't the best O-line I've played this year. I'm going to produce the way I produced all year. And you got to look at that from every single position down. And I think that, you know, in 08, like, I, I think that we thought that, or at least I thought, like Richmond was less than JMU, right? Uh, James Madison. And we beat James Madison pretty good in James Madison. So we thought we had an advantage. Um, but it turns out that those defensive ends that we played that year were the best defensive ends we played all year. Like they destroyed us. And I, I don't think that's the case this year. I think that they can certainly manage this game. And, and you know, that the defense – the South Coast State defense is really good. Is it as good as Furman's defense? I, I don't know. Furman's defense had some dudes on it, you know? So, like, I, I think it's a winnable game. And I, this, you know, 14-point spread or whatever, I, I don't think that 
they should even worry about any of that. Just go and play the way you've been playing and you'll be successful. Mm-hmm. What did what did you think, Schmidt, when you saw that 14 and a half point spread? Um, probably deserved, right? I mean, they've what won 28. You say defending like national their, champion yeah. game win streak. They they brought back everyone, and that's you know, as an aside, due to the transfer portal, you know, now uh if you make the national championship, it's a lot easier to keep your guys, right? Because then you have five days to decide whether or not you're gonna go to a different team after the championship game which is not a lot. And like another team has probably got all their players, right. That they want to pick up. So, you know, SDSU wins it last year. Where are all those guys going to go that could have played at Oregon state or, you know, Washington or wherever, Minnesota, they all stayed and now they're all, they're all back. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good team. um, But, you know, I think you take a look at what Montana was early in the season and what they did to make this game. And people are like, you know, 14 points sounds about right. And I, you know, that's Vegas for you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like a very, it does seem like very much like a Vegas. I'm taking the points. I don't know about you guys, but (laughs) I'm taking the points. The other thing to, to look for in a game like this, um, is, uh, is a breakout game or a big game from a guy who's been relatively quiet the last month or so. You see that a lot. It'll happen. It happens in Super Bowls. It happens in, in, um, you know, the F, uh, FBS national championship games. It's like, you know, the, you come in and the focus is on, you know, each team has their, their top five guys. Right. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, you get a breakout game from somebody that's 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 been there, it's been playing, been contributing, but they they there wasn't a big focus on them coming in. Um, you know, obviously for for Montana, it's like we we expect you know Junior to do something big. You know, obviously you expect Eli. Um, you would hope Eli has a big game. Um, you'd expect in the in the from the receivers. You know, Keelan's made some some big plays. Um, Fonts has been a little quiet to me over the last couple weeks. He might be a guy that pops <laughs> off a hundred yards and two touchdowns. Um, you know, it, it, it's just, it seems that those kind of things happen in championship games. A guy rises to the, to the moment um, that maybe going in the other team was like, ah, this guy, you know, we got to be aware of him, but he's not, he's not who they're focusing on. All of a sudden, that guy gets behind the defense a couple times, makes a couple big plays, and and boom, there you go. Um, so I would look for that as well on both sides. But you know, we're talking about we're talking about us. So um, you guys would know better than me, maybe who who those guys on the the Grizz offense might be. Because here's the thing: it only takes one guy on any given play. One guy has a bad play or misses an assignment. Every all other 10 guys can play perfect and one DB or one O lineman doesn't block somebody and you got a sack. One DB trips or has a bad play and you got an 80-yard touchdown. And so I always look for those kind of things in championship games. And so I hope I hope one of our one of our guys, it's been a little quiet, you know, last half of the season or so, steps up and makes some big plays. I think uh Pease could probably scheme something up like that. 
Yeah, I mean, Peace has been awesome this year. Um, and another connection. So he was the wide receiver coach at Boise State for my mm-hmm. friend. Loves him. And he's like, and everything would run through him at Boise State. Now, when I heard he was coming out of Montana, I was like, that's really cool because I know he, he he loves the Grizz. Uh, for him to be back, and then he was OC. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. But like for the longest time, um, when Bobby was came back, and for him to be here uh, uh, the second go around, everything felt like really conservative and really like not very creative at all. Um, like the entire time. And it was the, uh, I, I tweeted it out when it happened. The next game after uh, uh, NAU, when they played Idaho State, they ran in th- in three out of four plays, they ran the same reverse. They, they ran, they ran a fake reverse with the motion coming across. Then they ran the reverse. And then there was like a penalty. And then they ran reverse pass all in a row. And mm-hmm. I was that was the first time I was like, I think Bobby is just letting Pease do whatever he wants at this point. Um, just like, Hey, be creative and let's get, you know, stop being such a constipated offense. And since then he's like scheming up some awesome plays and trick plays and designs. And like, you know, the, what was it? The slot fade that they hit Bergen on against Idaho, mm-hmm. uh, like first series or whatever to get to the lead. Like he's going to find something that South Dakota state doesn't do quite well. Uh, and it exploited. And that could be one of those guys that you haven't heard for, for a while. Everyone's keying on Bergen exactly. and then Fonts gets loose, right? So yep. I definitely look for that. And 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 I will say about about Brent Pease, um he, he's at Montana now, but just get on Wikipedia and look at the places that he's been the coordinator. He's been a successful coordinator in the SEC. Been a successful coordinator in the Big 12, I think, was Baylor in the Big 12 when he was there. Been a very successful coordinator at Boise State. They put up big numbers. Brent Pease knows how to scheme up, and you give him three weeks to be able to get in his bag. And part of what you're saying, too, is is a function of knowing your personnel, or or I should I say having a better uh grasp of what your personnel is capable of and again early in the season they didn't know who their quarterback was and so you know this last half of the season that they've kind of gotten in a groove they know who their guys are they know what they're capable of and so that gives you a little bit more confidence like hey we can we can take a couple shots we can mix in some different formations some different motions and different things um because you have that confidence now that, Hey, this, we know for sure this guy can, can do this. Um, when we didn't, maybe we didn't know that in week three, if this certain player was capable of doing, of doing that. And so I, that's the other reason why I love these championship games. Um, and, and especially, I guess the one positive, you know, to the conversation we were having earlier about having the three weeks off is you get the opportunity now to really scheme up and really, play some more of a one-on-one game, like an actual real dialed game plan for this specific team versus coming in and saying, Hey, we're going to run our stuff and we're just going to try to beat them doing what we do best. You got to have some of that, but there's also got to be, you know, you got to have that, that, that play sheet on that big play sheet. There's those five plays over in the corner that are like, you know, special plays dial it up in certain circumstances. And, and I'm sure Brent will have, have a number of those ready to go. I was gonna. I'm, I'm glad you circled. I'm sorry, oh, go ahead, Brent. 
I was just going to just, I mean, I'm echoing you guys, but it's like, you think about, you give Brent Pease three weeks to put some, to, to work on the guys we know we've got with the offense that we have with the, our guys are going to be as healthy as they can be. I love it. Uh, and the other side of the ball as well, too, you're giving Tim Houck and Ronnie Bradford uh, three weeks to do the same. Uh, we'd heard stories through, you know, at basically before, you know, June, um, the Grizz defensive game plan for Montana State was generally in place, as were other defensive game plans. I mean, these guys are um, have shown, especially this year, once they've got their dudes in place, like Cliff and these other guys, um, they could they can work magic when they got time. So uh, let, let me tell you, I'm sorry, Brent. I'm sorry. You're good, Jimmy. No, you're good. Let, let, let me tell you how tricky Brent Pease is. Here, here's me reminiscing again. So my uh, right before my junior year, after my sophomore year, he left and took the coordinator job at NAU. If you guys remember that, do you guys remember when he did that? Yep, yep, um, yep. So my junior year, we played Portland State the week before we played NAU. And it, we lost that that game over Portland State. It was like a 49-48. We missed the extra point. We scored in overtime and missed the extra point and lost. Anyway, um, we we ran a play in that Portland State game um, that was basically a, like a stutter go. It was a curl and go. Okay, And, and, and um, Drew overshot me on it. Before the game at NAU, I'm down on the field just in warmups and I'm just talking to Pease and we're kind of catching up and he's asking me some questions and he kind of, I, 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 you know, being a whatever 20 year old dumbass, I wasn't really picking up on what he was doing, but he was, he started asking me questions about that Portland game. And he said, he said, oh man, you would have had, you would have had another touchdown on that one drew over three. What, what play was that? What did you guys, what, what were you running? And I said, oh, that's uh that's 25. Cause we were still running his stuff. Um, you know, same terminology, same everything. I said, oh, that was just 25 and we just added a stutter go to it. So we changed the protection a little bit, um, keep a back in and we just run, we just called it 25 stutter go. And he was like, oh, okay. Yeah. He's like, I was, I saw that on film and I was trying to, I couldn't think about the was this mother goes out two hours later and we're, we were beating the brakes off of NAU that year down at NAU, um, and they needed a big play. What what do you think he dials up? <laughs> they didn't have it in their playbook, and they'd never run it. And all of a sudden, I see uh, one of the I think it was like Gibbons St. Paul, one of those, or Francis St. Paul, one of those St. Paul brothers runs a curl and go, a stutter go, and they scored a damn touchdown on it. And after the game, I I went up, I said, "You motherfucker!" I said, "I know, <laughs> I know exactly what you did." But but that but point being. He's tricky like that, man, and he will he will find something that he saw some team maybe in week one or week two run against them, and he'll put his twist on it and and make it a big play for the Grizz. It's so so watch out for that. Well, that's I, I'm glad I, you ahead, circled Mike. back to that because that was um, kind of the follow up to the whole the three weeks thing. From just are there benefits to it? I have to think that that's where the veteran kind of coaching staff UM has. Mm-hmm. actually plays in their advantage because like you you give Hauk and Bradford Timmy Hauk and Bradford three weeks to come up with a defensive game plan you give Brett Pease three weeks to come up with an offensive game plan I mean, was Brett Pease the OC at um Boise State when they won the Fiesta Bowl he no. was well, no he was the wide receiver coach he was a wide receiver actually, coach yeah, he, he was wasn't the OC yes he's on uh, that staff yeah they uh from so I told my uh, best friend played there he was wide receiver uh he told me that during that time 
like they had another OC. I think it was, it was Brian Harson. It was Harson, right? Mm-hmm. So, Harson. Oh, some great stories about Harson. Yep. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, uh, Harson was the OC, but like Harson would have to run it through Pease. Like Pease would have like final say on what they were game planning. Um, and then when Harson left, he became OC in like 11, I think. Um, when they went to the, the, I think the Fiesta Bowl the second time, um, uh, I think beat TCU. Uh, that was the year that uh, they had Doug Martin yep. um, and uh, Shoemaker and all those guys and uh, uh, just a great team. But you can see a lot of what they were doing then, uh, what the Grizz are doing now, because it's like, Hey, move the chains. Like if, if we're going to scheme up this run game and if we get in, you know, second and short, like, let's not screw around. Let's get the first down and keep this thing going. Yep. And they would, they would find a, a million and one ways to get uh, Doug Martin, the ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a pro bowler, right? So like it, they did a great job with him and Kellen Moore. And um, yeah, so I, I have nothing but, uh, great things to say about peas, but I was going to ask you, Jimmy, but it was the same when you were playing right with the schedule for the, the national championship game. So like Saturday you would play the semifinal and then you had like the, the championship was like the next Friday. Mm-hmm. Next. Like yeah. That. Yep. So yep. yeah, Bobby was talking about this. Cause like the, the change in schedule now, how they actually get a practice for the game. Uh, when we played, so we played, uh James Madison on like Saturday night mm-hmm. and then beat them, flew back to Missoula, got in like Sunday, basically basically afternoon, um uh had like tape session, and then I think we either left Monday night or Tuesday morning to go to Chattanooga. Like we didn't have really like, any practice time at all. And then it was like real truncated practices like the rest of the week because there's so many other things that you got to do and like we we and we played like friday night so like we we didn't really have time to do anything and then after that game uh i remember talking to gregorak and he's like what do you guys think should we have just like stayed out there like just fly out to virginia if we win the game bring an extra week's clothes because we're just going to go down to chattanooga so they can Mm -hmm. actually prepare um and that was like a big thing that they talked about afterwards. Like maybe we should have done that. And now that there's three weeks and that these guys can actually prepare, I think it's, I think it's going to do nothing but help a team like Montana. Mm-hmm. I told we, 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 I think we talked about that before, before yeah. you came on, like a hundred percent agree. Um, I think all of that, all of that makes total sense. The, what I said, um, you know, an hour or so ago was as a player, I I'd much rather just play the next week. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I loved that week of the championship game. Um, when practice was a little shorter, spent more time doing walkthroughs, <laughs> a little bit more time doing media. Cause look at that point in the season, you don't need to be out there going full speed, having full two hour practices, full pads, hitting, tackling. You just don't need it. Um, so you guys, you guys didn't have lights either because, because we didn't. And that was the the favorite thing for us players is like, Hey guys, we just need to get to November because yep. then the sun goes down at like five and we don't have these oh. long practices anymore. Right. right. <laughs> like, hey, four, you four, start. Yeah. 
man, you're four, four thirty, four thirty. It's dark. You can't really see the ball anymore. So coaches are like, all right, we'll just take it in, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it was, it was beautiful. I loved it, man. It was end of a long season. It's like, man, let's just, let's, let's get this thing over with. Let's go. Um, we don't need three weeks. Um, maybe it makes for a better game. Maybe uh, there's pros and cons for sure. It's just a personal preference of mine. I'd rather, I'd rather just play, uh, play that next week and get it, get it going. Yeah. I think matter. It wouldn't matter, think it wouldn't matter to me. Helps just, the underdog. Yeah. It does help. Yeah. I, I think, look, and it, it, it's, it's circumstantial too, right? If, if one team has a bunch of injuries and stuff and it gives you a chance to heal up and do all those type of things. I, so I think, I think depending on your team, that given year and the circumstances surrounding your team, it, it certainly can benefit you. Um, but all things being equal, um, I just think it made the game special. And I, I liked it when we played it before Christmas and we had our stage and then it was like, all right, the, the, the FCS is done. Their championship is settled. And and then everybody moves on to the, to the big bowl games. But now it's like, you know, everybody's going to be getting ready for the, for the, the, the game on uh, the championship game on Monday, the next Monday, I think, right. Isn't the BCS championship game Monday, the eighth or whatever that day oh, yeah. is, yeah. you know? So it's like, every, I don't know. I just, yeah. I just, you know, we talked about it again. I don't want to rehash all that, but I, I, I wish we would have played the game last week, the championship it, game last week and gotten it over with. It uh, wouldn't make much difference for me personally, because my role of uh, filling up water cups for people is the same, regardless <laughs> of, uh, yeah. of yeah. one week or the other. The, I, the issue with the game on the seventh though, uh, in, in terms of my thoughts are, don't you have to compete with NFL regular yeah. season football games? Yeah. So like, I don't think viewership would be that high. I think you're kind of self-sabotaging to a degree, you know, like it's odd, but the only reason this game is at that time is that's when ESPN wanted it. Right. Like, right. It's weird. So that's the part that kind of doesn't make sense to me like that. I don't know. Well, ESPN, I mean, kind of gets the, their way now from time slots to breaking up conferences so that they can, <laughs> create power conferences, which they own. Right. So like, I, I, they're going to have final say, but uh, like, I liked it when we played on Friday night, I thought that was cool to have like a primetime spot in, in Chattanooga. Totally. Um, I, having it the day before the game, I, the FBS game, I don't, I don't quite get, but if there were no like NFL games on, that would make sense. But you're, I don't think your viewership is going to be that great because NFL ratings kill. Yeah. I mean, look what they did to the NBA on Christmas. Like, oh, I saw yeah. that. I was like, I was like, man, the NFL really just said, hey, we're going to take over Christmas Day now, too. When that was totally an NBA, <laughs> totally an NBA day. I saw that. That was that clip from The Wire when Marlo takes over the, the street corners from the other rival gang. And the, the person put Roger Goodell on that on Marlo. And, yeah. He's uh, <laughs> like, I'm being nice about this right now. Uh, took, a, <laughs> took the corner from Adam Silver. Oh, gee. <laughs> awesome. Well, guys, anything else either of you want to you want to talk about going into this game? I got nothing unless you you guys got questions for me or or uh, fan questions or anything. I um, I this was a lot of fun. I I any chance I get to reminisce with with Grizz people, Grizz fans, I 
I take advantage of it. So okay. I appreciate you guys having me on. It was a great time. Yeah, we we appreciate you joining. And we'll have you back sometime for a regular season one because we usually like to talk a little bit about, you know, what you did afterwards and we barely touched on the NFL and hell, you got a Super Bowl ring. This is the ring we're referencing, you know, and, and what you're doing now and stuff like that. So we'll have you back yeah. on to... And to... there's usually alcohol involved in those ones, so... <laughs> hey we're, we could we could toast it up i would love to do that i'm good with that too yeah, yeah. Let's, let's let's just get jimmy to missoula for a game and then we'll we'll Hell all yeah. drink the beers if together. you want to join me well not at the same time you don't have to join me at the same time but if you want to join in the dunking uh tank maybe <laughs> hey i don't think that anybody expects jimmy in a dunk tank andrew no no no, 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 no. He, he, we can Send me into the water. I will send you into it. You yeah. know what I really want to do is uh, I want to I want to raise the thirty seven flag for one game. What the hell? I mean, who, who has not invited you for that I, yet? Brent Brent made him wear black jerseys right. and <laughs> Brent, ticket issue. Right now, I'm doing Brent, right make right him know. I, to raise the flag. So so I will tell Jimmy, you. I will couple, guarantee you, you're raising the thirty seven yeah. flag next year. I hope so. I I, I reached out to somebody because I didn't know how that worked. Um, and I and I I. I reached out to Jim O'Day. Jim O'Day is my guy. Cause he was the AD yeah. when, when I was there. I have a great, I love Jim, great relationship with Jim. And so I reached out to him and I said, Hey, I know you're not, you know, obviously you're not affiliated like that anymore, but who would I reach out to if I wanted to come over and do the 37 flag? And so he put me in touch with uh, somebody and uh, we, we, I wanted to do it a couple years ago when Idaho was over there because I had two of my nephews were playing for Idaho at the time. I thought that'd be kind of cool. And um, it ended up not working out, but um, I don't know if they, if they, if they, they didn't really act like they wanted me to do it. I was just like, oh, okay. I mean, Brent, I, Brent's on the case. He'll get this figured out. I think it'd shame. be fun. I think it'd be I, fun. I can tell you that once Brent and Mike and Luke set, sick their audience on you, they are relentless. Okay. And, and I, want, I do want to say something in closing. I am sorry. Okay. But you guys should be thanking me. Okay. But for me running my big mouth and motivating this team, you wouldn't be in the championship. So send me Halloween decorations. You know how I like those. I'll send you guys my Venmo. You don't have to keep tagging me in tweets telling me that I'm going into the dunk tank. I know that I'm already okay. I know. I'm sorry. Well, Schmidt, I will thank You're welcome. you because somebody a couple weeks ago posted that they went back and re-listened to that pod and they were like, Schmidt's getting all the heat, but Sample and Nugent really <laughs> probably have some things to walk back to. But the credibility of a former player saying it all just overshadowed, you know, me and Kyle being irrational fans. I, I will not stop. And as they say, I'm sorry, I'm not going to apologize. Okay. So uh, that's your that's your Homelander speech right there, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, you, <laughs> hey, you got to stick by it. If you say it, you got to stick by it. So good on you for doing that. <laughs> I love it. Well, Jimmy, it, uh, it was awesome to have you join us and um, fun to hear you kind of talk about some of your, some of your memories of the championship run and um, uh, you know, everything else we touched on and we'll definitely have you on again and we'll start that campaign for the 37 flag. Thank Schmitt, you. It's always good to have you jump on um, repeat customer this year and multiple time friend of the pod. Well, I, I see Luke's not there. So of course I get the call as the, <laughs> the, the substitute Grizz pod. <laughs> Fan Luke pod is guy. actually in your area. He's in Denver he? somewhere with his girlfriend's family. So yeah, I see. 
Yeah. Yeah, I know. Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Uh, I get it. It's rough. <laughs> but anyway, I appreciate uh, both you. I know Britt and Kyle and Luke do as well. And, uh, you know, uh, let's just hope the Grizz pull it out this week. I, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on. And, yeah, go Grizz up with Montana. Go Grizz. Go Grizz. All right, guys. Um, boy, that was a lot of fun with uh, with Mark and Andrew and Jimmy, wasn't it? Yeah, that was that was so cool. I've never been so so happy to just shut up and be on the sidelines. I know. I I had to laugh because I I think I said this, but the some of the best pods are the ones where we just kind of sit quietly and let multiple guests talk to each other. I think it was funny that you know we were making plans to try to go hit a Grizz practice. <laughs> and we're like halfway through and we're like, well, we're not, this is just so entertaining. and so fun. We're like, well, we'll, we'll figure out another day to hit practice. <laughs> yeah. That was awesome. It was a blast to hear from those guys. And especially I, the first time Mark and Jimmy had connected, right. That kind of seemed like, it kind of seemed like it. Yeah. Yeah. That was super it's, cool. I mean, it's, two of it's our- funny how we blend things together, you know, and it's like, I kept saying mistakenly that, that Jimmy was on the national title team, but of course he wasn't because he and Drew Miller's were seniors. Drew Miller were seniors together. That's right. You know, kind of funny. But for uh for the very in tune pod listener, we recorded the first half of this pod a couple days ago. We're recording the second half on New Year's Day to mostly tackle questions from you all and kind of wrap up pregame for South Dakota State. So, Brent, what else about South Dakota State do we need to know? Oh what do God. we even want to know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's kind of weird because usually, like, especially through playoffs, we're like rapidly scrambling trying to figure out teams we know. Like, what do we know about them? Uh, but South Coast State, I mean, they've been front and center uh, for the last couple seasons, at least. And we've had multiple weeks now to kind of digest who they are. Um, comes as no surprise to anybody, right? They're the number one team in the country. They, they, we talked about this on the joint pod we did with Coulter a couple of weeks ago. They haven't lost a football game since uh, 2022, and that was to Iowa. Last time they lost an FBS game, FCS game was December 18th, 2021 in Bozeman. Um, this team is loaded with all conference team players. They've got the coach of the year, they've got they're going to announce. When are they going to announce Walter Payton winners? Do they, like this week sometime, right? Friday or Saturday? Well, I guess Friday yeah, night. this week, and then yeah. the, the thing is yeah. right. So they're Saturday night. Yeah, their quarterback Gradowski is one of the top three finalists. Um, their running back is considered to be one of the what five or six best running back prospects in the NFL draft. <laughs> I mean, uh, their tight end is a top a top draft target. Uh, this team is 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 loaded, and kind of like I think when we were doing the interview, was it Mark that was saying this? Is like this is a team kind of you know one benefit of getting to the national title game is um, you know a lot of players on these teams, other you know FBS schools have maybe already filled out their ranks. So the portal doesn't really snipe as much away. So this team returned, what was it guys? Like 20 of their starters or 21 of their starters a veteran team. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, and it's kind of wild. We, we talked about this. Uh, we were texting this offline just a little while, uh, you know, a couple of days ago, but like a lot of people know, I do like these little side-by-side numbers and the scouting report that I put a post up that I'm going to have up in a day or two here. Um, I do categories on just offense, defense, and then points, turnover margin, uh, red zone, defense, third down, uh, offense, defense, all that stuff like that. And, um, 
you know, usually it's it's a little bit of a split. It's you're, it's it's kind of close or tipped a little ways one way or another. In this case, on 17 different statistical categories where I compare the teams, South Dakota State is better statistically than Montana in 15, and Montana's only better in two. And those two are kick return average, and that is by a yard, and third down, or was it third down defense, where the Grizz are third down defense is statistically much stronger um, with only a 28.6% conversion rate compared to about a 35% for South Dakota State. Outside of that, statistically, everything else, SDSU, on paper, is better. (laughs) So, uh, you know, undefeated, number one, reigning national champs for an absolute reason. This team is loaded. Their running back is a stud. Their quarterback is probably the best in the FCS. Um, their O-line is huge. Uh, their defense is, you know, has got just, a, just some wild, uh, big time players on it as well, too. I think what their, their turnover margin is like plus 15 or something in that realm. They've only got like four or five turnovers. Uh, the quarterbacks only committed a few the whole season, um, completing passes near 70%. I mean, it's kind of funny. It feels like NDSU this year is like SDSU light. So it's like we faced off against the JV squad <laughs> and now we're getting the varsity. And that's kind of my big read when I look at this team and take away from it. They seem like very similar teams in the regards of what they try to do and all that stuff. Um, SDSU just does it better. And they have for a couple of years now. So it, everything we've heard and, and all season, and, you know, I think we've all had conversations with some of the people that cover this including Coulter and guys like that. And they've just been saying all year that South Dakota State's a league of their own. Like that's been the narrative. It's not just new this game, but that's been the narrative. Um, And you've got a lot of people saying that kind of historically in FCS, this is one of the all-time great teams. Right. I think that's hard to quantify because, you know, we look at different eras and people get wrapped up in the era they're in. Mm-hmm. Um and then NDSU, obviously, that that group of fans is like, well, anybody who's better than us just has to be amazing because we, you know, we're amazing. But yeah. you know, maybe they weren't quite as good as they've been. But I guess is the do you two think that the step, the gap between NDSU that we just played and South Dakota State is so big that it's like this is insurmountable, or is some of this hype? think it's insurmountable i mean it, it makes sense that a lot of it's hype right they've won 28 games in a row they defending national champion you know they i mean rolled through the playoffs i think they've outscored their opponents like 123 to 12 like it makes sense that a lot of it's hype but i just don't think uh i don't think it's i don't think the gap is so wide that that we can't uh mm-hmm. kind of close it in one game I think three. I think three weeks of prep. I know they get three weeks of prep too, but I think three weeks of prep can be like a a big equalizer if well, you have a really good staff like Montana does. I agree yeah. with that, Kyle. And I think that you add to that. They're such a favorite that if you're a coach on that staff, a they're not as, as experienced in the big picture. They're more experienced in winning FCS national championships, but in the big picture of coaching, the Montana staff has a lot more college football experience bowl games all that sort of thing but if you're that big of a favorite you're really probably not coaching to do much different than what you've been doing because it's been working 
Whereas Montana, what do you have to lose? It's kind of like I said, going in the cat game. This is house money. Like I'm so impressed with this team and win or lose. This is such a great season and kind of a reminder of what Grizz football can be. You know, it's house money and you give Brent Pease three weeks to design a game plan on offense. And you forget he was on those Boise state staffs that did incredible things as huge underdogs in the Fiesta bowl. Then you got Bradford and Tim, Tim how three weeks to throw defensive looks at this team that they've never seen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you look at like the, when they played North Dakota state too, like that game was close. And then North Dakota state uh, has a turnover and South Dakota state capitalizes scores. Then they get the ball in the second half and score again, and they put the game basically out of reach. So it's like, you, you kind of wonder if those two things don't align like that, how does that game go, right? I mean, that's that's just like perfect opportunity, and and granted, like they took advantage of it, um, and they should be uh, commended for that. But again, I just I just don't think like the gap is, is – I don't think it's like Marshall in 96. I'll say that. Well, that's I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's kind of what I was going to ask about. You know, the last time <clears throat> the Grizz played a game where it was like oh. the talent was so one-sided was that game, even though Montana was the one seed by virtue of being undefeated in the national champion the previous year. But, I mean, Randy Moss and that Eric Kresser, I mean, there was nobody in the FCS that could stop those guys. Right. And, um, you know, this roster is good, but I just wonder – I don't know. know, Montana roster is obviously not as good as our Montana 96 roster, which I think is one of the best teams we've ever had. But I think it's tough. There's a few kind of weird comparables with it, right? Because, yeah, the 96 Grizz, I don't know. It it feels like the more modern era of just FCS football is kind of built. You build your roster to beat the best in the FCS, not just to be the best in the big sky, where it always kind of felt like the 90s and maybe early 2000s Grizz, even though those were the national title winner teams, you kind of custom built your team more to just make sure you ran through your conference uh, and then, you know, let home field ride you the rest of the way and see how you did. So, um, but I mean, you know, South Dakota State, their one and two receiver are twins and they're both 6'3", 2'15", so... You know, we're kind of like they're not they're not putting up Moss type numbers, but they are. I mean, they're but they're doing damn well, um, you know, and uh, let's see where I just had it up. Uh, yeah, one's got uh, 900 yards and nine touchdowns. The other's got 750 yards and five touchdowns. And then the third guy's six, two. So this is this is the tallest receiver core we'll have faced. Um, so it's going to be difficult, but um this team, I think they pride themselves more. I mean, like like most national championship teams, like North Dakota State has done as well all these years too, establish the run and then throw the ball second. It seems to be their bread and butter. But I interesting, Mike, like you were bringing up too. Um, so North Dakota State, NDSU lost 16-33 to South Dakota State, but they were in the game through half of it. Um, but kind of they were just unable to stop that offense and then had three turnovers, which was crazy uncharacteristic of NDSU. Uh, to have that many turnovers in a game and just let the game slip away from them as it went on. So um, there's some things here that like Montana does well, that if they can continue to be successful at this and defy the odds and just use the strength that they have, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that suggests they're going to be able to give South Dakota state a lot of fits that South Dakota state's going to have a hard time responding to. And that's got to be what needs to happen on Sunday. 
it's interesting because it's like you know the the narrative is such and and i don't think you're getting an argument from any of us that south dakota state should be favored and i don't really have a problem with the double digits honestly i mean like we said a big winning streak i don't have any problem with that if the Grizz can pull off the win people are going to look back and say we should have seen x y and z coming and i think that the i think what we're kind of trying to get at is that there there's ingredients yeah. there like mm-hmm. south dakota state if they've struggled it's been with a mobile qb um you know there are just little things where it's like if the grizz play a perfect game and knock south dakota state off of their perfect rhythm yeah. that's where that happens yeah i don't know if i'm just trying to make myself feel better about this like going in because like it is like you know it's it's a historic team for all the things that they've accomplished right but you watch that game early in the season when they played the Cats. The Cats beat themselves in that game. Yep. And, I mean, I think, you know, that's at one point in the season. At a totally other point in the season, I mean, Montana clearly established themselves as a much better team than Montana State. We also mm-hmm. got to think that South Dakota State matured, I mean, with how, like, experienced they are. Um, and so I don't know if that, like, has anything. Maybe that's just me trying to – you know, brighten my spirits um, <laughs> this, but yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any reason to think that Montana can't pull an upset. Kyle, I think you got some good points there too. And I, I went and I looked at uh, basically SDSU's <laughs> closest wins and uh, you know, cats uh, there's, they beat Southern Illinois 14 to seven. I think it was, I don't have it in front of me right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a tough playoff game with Villanova. That game was weird though. Cause there was there like some crazy wind and some weird yeah. weather. You like couldn't do anything going into one. Yeah, and and, um, and then they had another tight, uh, tighter uh, conference game as well too. But the there was a repeating trend. Um, they were not it. Their ground game was kind of did its thing a little bit, but was not explosive. Then uh, they were bad on third down, and so it's like that's like the the fascinating thing when I look at. It. So in their games where they just you know like Albany and these other playoff games they had where they just you know, destroyed teams. It's they they just ran the ball, ran the ball, ran the ball. And then once they'd established a ground game, they could throw and you couldn't get them off the field, uh, their offense. Uh, but cats, especially right in the first half, I think South Dakota State was scoreless. Um, and so you know, I think in the Southern Illinois game, I they might have been scoreless the half as well, too. So um there's just a few things if this grizzly defense and this third down defense, um and the run defense can continue to show up and keep doing what they've been doing consistently and better and better and better as the season's been going. That's going to be that spark. That's going to fluster him, Mike, like you're talking about. And that's, that's gotta be the winning recipe for Montana is defensively throw these guys off rhythm and make sure their offense doesn't have the ball the whole game. Um, and the great thing is, is the Chris, the Chris defense just, continually is doing more and more and getting better and better. Like, uh, what was it? The tweet that, uh, well, FCS right this week in the hype for the game was sharing all this stuff and talking about quarterback proficiency and offensive proficiency in the playoffs. And like, you know, the cats were doing this and then they met our defense and they didn't do anything close to that, you know, and that happened to Delaware and it happened to Furman and it happened in North Dakota state. And that's, that's, that is where it's, it's got to start and stop right there. If Grizz defense can do that, um, we're going to be in this game, and this is absolutely something Grizz can win. The scary thing for me is just how balanced South Dakota State could be. Yeah. I, I mean, you look so often, right? You Like when we played the Cats, it was like, get them in third and long, and we should be good. Yeah. 
uh, North Dakota State uh, or Furman in third and long, and we should probably be good. This team, it's like, man, Gronkowski is so good. Uh, or Gronowski, I'm sorry. And then the the janky twins are so good and the tight end they have. And it's like, it's just, uh, it's just scary. Like thinking that like you can't ever, I mean, I, I don't know if I would feel good if we were in third and eight, like I would still be scared of what. what... <laughs> yeah. I mean, defense is going to have to step up and play a big game, but <clears throat> Hey, they've been doing it. It's why they play it. They've been doing it. And I, like I said, I think, you know, similar to that feeling I had going into the cat game, it just it feels like we as a program just don't have anything to lose. You're playing with house money. Let's go out and have fun. Play your game. And I think that number too, that that I don't know if like players look at it, they have to hear about it, right? They have to hear that they're a 12 point underdog. Oh, there's they have to, right? Yeah. So I don't think it's like so much of a number where it like sort of deflates you a bit. But it is like a number where you're like, you can you can feel good about being like the underdog. Like it's not like you're like a twenty one point underdog, right? Where you're like, oh god, that's that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, twelve is like this. I don't know. It's sort of like the sweet spot for me where you're like, yeah, man, this is what people have been saying about us all season. So exactly, and I'm good. sure that that's what the coaches are hammering. Like, yeah. hey, you guys were counted out. Bunch of Yahoos on the Grizz fan pod wrote you af- off after the NAU game. Clearly, nobody else in the fan base did, though. Um, you know, <laughs> but uh, you know, playing off that moment, motivation. Like nobody believed in you. You you weren't a favorite against North Dakota State at home last week. Let's go up yeah. play. Yeah. Well, you know, the other thing I think back to was uh, this team carries over a lot of experience from that uh, Grizz team that beat the Huskies. And um, that was a game where leading into it, going up to it, the Grizz, right? I, we were probably 21-plus point dogs in that one, if yeah. not. And what was the narrative? They run well. They pass well. Their O-line's too big. Their D-line's too big. They're full of talent that's going to the next level. They're, they've got, you know – all these things going for them. And yeah, maybe you got a little hype around you, but you're, you know, you're coming to their house. You're, you're not familiar with their game. Uh, they're going to control line of scrimmage and you're not going to keep them off the field. And what the Grizz team do? They gave up one easy touchdown <laughs> and then they locked it down. The offense is kind of choppy, but they, they got the damn dub, right? And it turned into a defensive battle that Washington was unprepared for. And it unraveled their whole season. Of course, now the funny thing is, is right. People are saying thank you for that. Cause now of course, a little later tonight, they're going to be playing in the playoff game. Thanks to that coach getting the shit can. But, you know, I mean, so I think they could probably pull some narratives from their prep and their belief going into that game that no one gave – I mean, no one outside of the Grizz and Grizz Nation gave them a, a shred of hope that they could go into Washington and beat the Huskies because that team was too good, too experienced, too big, and we're just going to be overwhelmed by them. And sure as shit, we weren't. Uh, mm-hmm. We weren't at all. And so we can do that again here. Britt, I, I, I think it's interesting you bring that up because I've been thinking for the last couple of weeks that, you know, I don't know how motivation works as far as college football programs go. And I don't know what coaches say. And I don't know what players actually hear. But if I was Halkin the coaches, at some point in the last three weeks, I would have brought a few things out because they've got ties to either the program or people on it. 
And one of them would have been that Washington game. Cause there's enough guys that were on this roster who were part of that in one way or another to be like, Hey, you guys, we've, this program has been there where we were on the road in a hostile environment. You know, we were huge underdogs and you were able to do it. Um, another one, kind of the whole David versus Goliath, which is where the whole 12 point blah, blah, blah is. I think they pull out the Boise state Fiesta game, the Fiesta bowl game. They pointed out, you know, with the peace connection and be like, Hey guys, look, we've got experience on staff. We've been around this, like this is doable. And then I think they take that and and play into some of the games where they were the underdogs this year, like Idaho. Yeah. And they, they say, look, nobody, everybody thought you were done. You guys went in there, you took care of business, you played your game, you won. And I think that kind of builds that belief that you guys have the ability to do it. Forget that. Just go out and play. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, that that seems to be the best spot to, to feed this on. And, man, if we can just kind of refine that rhythm with Cliff in this offense um, against a defense that's allowing less than 10 points per game on average, um, and our defense can throw them off schedule, I mean, sky's the limit. We can get this. Uh, but it's it like we keep saying we've said this on every pod. They haven't played their perfect game yet. This has to be the perfect game, or as damn near as possible. Especially mm-hmm. defensively. Defensively has to be their very best of all time. And you know, I think anybody listening knows we're not being Pollyannic because they they could lose. South Dakota State is everything that people say they are. The Grizz could easily lose this. We're talking about what they would need to do to win. Right. And having watched this team this year, I think we all believe that if they play their game, they could. They could do it. Yeah. They just have to put it all together. Entirely together. Whole yeah. thing. <laughs> but we've said this over and over. I, I I love our odds. I love our chances. And I I like the guys we have, the coaches we have, the, the prep time we have, the presumed health we're gonna have. Um, they got it too. But and Mike, like you said, I just I, I, I'm sure our guys are, you know, excited for the game. There's got to be some nerves to it as well, too. But we don't – we're not carrying number one on our back. We're not carrying the expectations of a repeat. We're not – not a lot of our guys are being talked about or chirped at for being draft fodder to get ready for the combine and shit like that. So I think, uh, you know, if, the, if we can zone out the distractions and maybe let those kind of buzz a little bit around the Jackrabbits – and then come out there and just punch them in the face. Um, I don't know, guys. I, 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 the more the closer we get to this, like I start feeling more and more nervous. But I just keep just this team, this Grizz team, just keeps defying what we expect them to do every single week. And so, why not keep keep that hope going and, and believe in it? Because I think they're going to do it. I like it. Um. So- with that, do we pick the game? <laughs> I was going to say, do you want to pick the game or do you want to do questions and pick the game? doesn't matter to me. Oh, yeah. Let's do that. Let's, let's do, do that. questions. Then we'll that pick questions? What's, what's questions? that called in the TV? It's a tease. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nailed it. A tease. All right. Uh, Building Grizz Fan Pod Empire, media empire. <laughs> uh, okay. So I'll hop over to Twitter real quick here. So, of course, our questions were a little fractured here because we had a few and then we kicked a bunch out for um uh for our, for our guests uh so okay uh david coy is wondering what montana-based company needs to sponsor a bowl game seeing six and five coaches get drenched in huckleberry syrup could be fun 
Yeah. I don't want to see our coaches drenched. That just brings up different thoughts. I, don't I will say the only bowl game that's been fun has been the Pop-Tart Bowl. And I couldn't tell you who played in the Pop-Tart Bowl. It's entirely <laughs> been the memes of the Pop-Tart himself. Pop-Tart the show. They cooked the mascot and ate it. Like, right, not intent, like, but <laughs> that was the symbolism of the thing. I mean, like, he drops down into the toaster with a sign that they, says, Dreams come true. They <laughs> ate it. <laughs> the meme of him on January 6th just killed me. Oh, God. I don't think I've seen <laughs> Part of the Ryan crew. <laughs> with the... been, everybody has turned them into any meme you can think of. It's oh, like, it's incredible. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh man, um, it's kind of funny. What was the uh, the, uh yeah, that I Montana companies? I don't know, like a Montana based company, that, but uh, I've, I've got a joke, a, a bad idea for one. I'm not going to say it on the pod because I, I, I think I've offended enough people already, and it's 2024, so I'm turning over a new leaf. Um, I'll text you guys the joke. Uh, okay, Wait, are you done with receipts then? <laughs> I'm not done do? with receipts, I still got plenty oh, of marked on Twitter, so don't worry about that. <laughs> Thank God. Um, okay. Uh, Grizz Foam Finger. Sam Herter's article with anonymous coaches' statements about who will win. Many coaches cite the Grizz being away from home as a reason South Dakota State will win. Uh, what gives you confidence Grizz can play championship winning level football away from Washington Grizzly Stadium? They've done it. This year? Yeah. They've already done it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Mike, you were kind of already touched on that, right? Like, we went to Idaho and did it. Yeah. Uh, Brian Hunt, any word on the athletic department regarding Grizz friendly bars? Just started watching a YouTube video where a South Dakota State podcast crew had a representative from the local talking about all the accommodations of an official Jack's bar down there. You guys heard anything? You guys are going. Have you heard anything? I haven't heard anything. I, I mean, I'm sure there there's something, but I haven't heard. I'm sure, it all. There's a really good thread on Egris about places to go in Frisco, but I haven't heard anything of like official bars or anything. Got it. Uh, okay. Uh, Thoric, no question, just an observation. Traveling to the game, hope to see as many Grizz fans as possible. Last time I was not in Montana during Grizz game, was when they played NAU. So they don't bring them home the hardware. Uh, he was taking full responsibility. Um, <laughs> uh, darn, Kelly Harris wanted us to do a McDennity and wanted Jimmy Ferris to do a McDennity impersonate impression. We'll have to get him ah. next time we get him on here. When we get him to raise that 37 flag, we'll have to have him do it. Uh, what matchup are you guys looking forward to most? Which matchup do you think the Grizz have to win in order to come out on top? I think Dub versus their O-line is probably the most important matchup of the game. Because um, if he can be a disruptor on their run game, it takes away that balance that we talked about. But their O-line is so veteran that if they can neutralize Governor, I think it's a long day for us. Yeah, that's exactly what I interested too. Our de- our defensive line was their offensive line. I think that'll that'll dictate who wins the game. Yeah, I was thinking too secondary because I'm going to just guess with the focus on probably making sure that run game doesn't run wild on us. Our linebackers are going to be playing much more run support than anything and we're probably our corners and our safeties are going to have to be a little bit of one-on-one situations against guys that are going to hold height advantages over most of them. So that keeping that top end um, from 
getting torn off and, you know, starting to look like defensive years past where we're giving up deep shots left and right. I think that's, that's going to be a key thing. If we can do that, then we can jam up that, that front line and hopefully keep that running game in check. All right. Uh, Foam finger was just asked us about the uh, pop tart mascot, um, Matt Colby. Um, if we are recording a podcast on January 8th, celebrating a Grizz championship win, who do you think we are praising as the MVP? Cliff. What was that, Kyle? I think, sorry, th for this game, did I hear that right? Yeah, so say the Grizz win, win it all. Who, who, who do you project that we're praising as the MVP? I think it's Cliff. I think... I think it's got to be Cliff because we need the offense to have that perfect game, and that's going to involve him. Yeah, Clifford Jr., once again, right? This postseason has been something unlike we've ever seen from one player. Uh, so, but yeah, I'm with you guys. I mean, that's right after I did say that, like, governors <laughs> would debate like, how the game goes, but, like, <laughs> we're not going to Andre Iguodala this on LeBron here. Like, we're probably not giving it to a defensive tackle. <laughs> The yeah. Aliens with the death ray pointed at yeah. the <laughs> Yeah. Uh okay. Johnny Claxton just points out Broncos were two and five in Super Bowls and heading into their eighth Super Bowl appearance. Will the Grizz see a similar result for their eighth? Um and as a Packer fan, I think that's gonna pay me to say the Broncos eighth Super Bowl appearance. They did beat the Packers, I think, to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> so um Hope so, man. Uh, okay, Adam Clinch says Sean Rainey does fun prop bets before the game. What is each of yours for the game? And then with this being Governor's last game, Adam's saying he's going to throw his. I'm going to throw mine back into how he broke the broke onto the Grizzly scene and say Governor gets an interception. Oh, hey, that'd be something. That'd be a wild prop. <laughs> Governor pick. Remember that. <laughs> That yeah, was a lot. <laughs> I'm gonna say Cliff over 80 rushing yards. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think Kyle. I think if if the Grizz are gonna win, they need that. I'm gonna straight up steal what Jimmy Ferris said, and this is funny because we we didn't really get to bring that back. But the point where Jimmy was talking about the guy that's been a little quiet having the breakout game, and I texted you guys, and I'm like. Aaron Fonts. And then like two minutes later, he's like, and Aaron Fonts has been really quiet this playoff. So I'm going to say Aaron Fonts, 100 yards and uh, two touchdowns. Wow. That's a big game. Yeah. There we go. Be the MVP. I like that. Mike, you got any? I think that, that they've been throttling carries for Gilman. Mm. I, um, I think a big game from Gilman on the ground is important. Yep. Okay, I think we've uh, I think we've handled this, but Kyler Neal is wondering if Mike will drink a beer with his least favorite person from Washington State, the state of Washington, I should say. Not yeah, I answered that. It's not Kyler. It's that guy that runs the really obnoxious <laughs> Eastern Washington fan account, <laughs> but not Kyler. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Colorado Grizz fan, uh, Mike's kind of saying the same thing. Uh, just being heavy underdogs feels like we're playing with house money. Um, Tom Kuglin, does Brandon Casey get the credit he deserves? First teamer, but seems like he gets talked about less than anyone else on our O-line. How come? 
You know, the the way O-line get talked about is kind of tough because most of the people that cover FCS football aren't detail-oriented enough to understand good um, O-line play individually. Like, they kind of get the whole big stats, good push, stuff like that. So sometimes, I mean, maybe he deserves more attention, but I don't know. I'm going to say I'm going to say it's cuz he's healthy. And it seems like when we talk about individual linemen it's like are they playing this week? Cuz we're missing healthy. Like we don't really talk about like you said Mike like we don't really talk about individual offensive linemen like what they do very often other than like we say Panfloff is a jack of all trades. He can play all over the place. We don't we don't break down like what he does so we don't we don't understand it well enough so I think he just uh I think it's because he's always there. We just don't talk about him because we don't talk about individual offensive linemen. I mean, sometimes, right, if you're an offensive lineman and you're not being talked about, that's maybe a good thing, isn't it? Kind of like a cornerback. Because you're kind of like, oh, he didn't get called for a whole job. didn't miss that block, you know. Obviously, we have the few moments where it's like, yeah, he picked that Idaho guy up and drove him into the student section. But, uh, you know, uh, that wasn't Casey, right? But that's McGinnis. But still, but it's like on the field type play, usually the – Less you get noticed as no lineman by the fans, it's probably the better. Uh, okay, Eric Witz was wondering if there's going to be a GFP meetup tailgate. Uh, like we talked about before, uh, you know, Luke's going to be there, Kyle. Uh, you're going to be down there. Mike's there. I'm not. We could probably, you guys, you know, get the account going and get a meetup going. You guys should totally do that. We'll, we'll see how it works out. I don't want to commit to any responsibilities. That's good. The last uh, thing I want to do right now is drink a beer. <laughs> think about it. <laughs> Kyle, you've got about five to six days of sobriety here to get yeah, you there. Thanks, thankfully. <laughs> uh, Brandon Webster, I just I just replied to him with the account, said uh, we need to find a way to get his blame South Dakota sign to Frisco because he can't make the trip. So, uh, Brandon, we'll link you up with one of our guys that are going. We got to get that sign down there. Um. Nathan says, how many trick plays are going to be called? I bet it's more than you might think. Yeah. How your face says maybe you disagree, but I I think that one of the keys to the offensive game plan is going to be try to get some things that then they haven't seen on film. I think the thing, like, what's trick? Like, like, yeah, like Statue of Liberty, uh, Double reverse pass, a, you know, Philly play or whatever the hell that's, you know, Philly special, or like just new wrinkles that with new personnel. I don't know. And then when you're at this point, obviously the trick is is the offense hasn't been producing as highly as we wanted it to in the last couple of playoff games individually, and so um, or in regulation especially, um, and so like. I don't know. Like, you got, you probably don't want to risk going too far away from like just what you do good and what you've been doing well for full three quarters of the season so far, too. So I think we see more, but I think it'd probably just be like little wrinkles that we'd not seen before. Yeah, I could see that. I, I would say I'd be surprised if they call more than two, like, obviously trick plays. All right, let's see here. Uh, Kyle Dyrud says his mom, who is a diehard Grizz fan, passed away this summer. And in her honor, he wants to bring a little piece of her to Frisco 
because she would be so happy. In your opinion, what is the best way to smuggle some ashes through airport security without looking like a drug addict? Don't put them in your uh, just put them in your packet. Just put them in your uh, in your carry on. Can't you do that? I think so. I would just say honesty. Put them in a little thing that says "Mom's ashes." Mom's ashes. So if they yeah. pull it out, like there's no question of exactly what this is. It's a heartwarming <laughs> story. Yep. If TSA has any heart whatsoever, they'll let you do it. Um, and then uh, Silvertip Nation does wonder what we think Pop Tart mascot's dream really actually was uh, to be have his body consumed or to be toasted alive. Uh, gives us some serious sausage party vibes, to be honest. What a strange and glorious occurrence. <laughs> the, the memes of him, like, compared to the guy from uh, Batman were hilarious. Oh, Two Face or whatever? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Hopping over to you, Grizz, quick here. Badlands Grizz fan is just wondering if we know what our feel is for the uniform combo they're going to wear. Uh, saying Badlands Grizz fan is not a fan of maroon pants with white tops. Would prefer white tops, white pants. Do we even have that? Yeah, we do. We do. We haven't worn it this year, though. Hmm. Nah, I don't want to wear that. I like white. I would like white with maroon. Or the white with gray is kind of cool, too. I go, yeah. I like the white with maroon. That's what we've been yeah. wearing on the road. That's what we've been wearing on some of these other road ones, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, okay, Kyle. So next question we got here. Uh, what does Clifton's stat line need to be for us to win the game? How many points do we need? Damn. We got to score at least 21. See, I was going to say 28. Yeah. I was thinking upper 20s. Upper 20s. I don't think it's going to be as high scoring as a game as probably it will be. I think it's going to be more uh, defensive, tested out, especially with three weeks rest. You blend a bit of new wrinkles, new additions, and probably a bit of holiday and lost momentum rust as well too, right? So it could be a slow start. But I think Grizz need to be upper 20s. That would be more than three times the uh, – you know, average output that SDSU's defense allows, so that'd be quite the feat. Cliff stat line, I think he's got to be over 200 passing and probably over 60, 70 rushing and probably a completely clean game, you know, and probably accounts for three, you know, two to three total touchdowns himself, most likely. He's got to do what he had to do. He's got to do exactly what he had to do against the Cats. He's got to yeah. be decisive. Uh, they have to mix in easy throws for him to begin. Um, scheme up receivers getting open. I think that's like if there is a weakness in that team, it's it's in their secondary, right? I mean, that's what we're that's what I've heard. Um, so yeah, he's he's got to do exactly what he did against the Cats. Yep, yep. All right, uh, a couple questions uh, on Egris here. I think we've kind of already touched. Just um, you know, uh, takeaways from the Cat game that could transfer over. Takeaways from some other games, stuff like that. Elrod Grizz Grizzly is just wondering how many actual future NFL players we think SDSU has because their fans seem to think their entire team could be an NFL team. <laughs> um, yeah, two, probably two linemen. Granowski will get a look, I bet. Yeah, he's a junior. He's got two more years to play, Granowski, because he's a true junior. He's got two more years if he chooses. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think a couple of linemen, tight end, running back, Gronowski mm -hmm. sides. I don't know about the Janky Twins just because I've just not seen enough to like be able to analyze their agility and team speed like maybe their their fans could. But I think they've got some linebacker. They got a linebacker too that's pretty good as well too. What about the and, running back? Oh, well, of course. Yeah, I mm -hmm. think the running backs are both, they're he's their biggest NFL prospect, ready to go NFL prospect, I would think. Yeah. That's on their team. Yeah. So uh okay let's see okay and then going through and so we had that one we might be about there let's see let's see uh everett grizz other than turnovers what is another key to a grizz victory i think that that cliff being able to run the passing game efficiently and not uh -huh. panicking or taking too long to make decisions in the pocket but I also think that the QB run game is really important. Mm -hmm. I think they got to win up front. I think they got to handle one on ones on like our offense line has to. Um, yeah, if we can't do that, we're we're just going to be in for it. I think that's a. I think that's a. I just think it's in the trenches. That's. I think I get so set up so often in so many games, but I think this one is purely like whatever team wins, the trenches is going to win. I'm with you, Kyle. And on the other side, too, I think our defense needs to keep that running back under three yards of carry. Or the total running. The running game as a whole, because Gronowski's a runner as well, too. So they got to they gotta stuff up. They got to bottle up that running game. Uh, Everett's also wondering if this is more or less of a stressful game than the North Dakota State game. I'm assuming for us. Less been, for me. I've been kind of low stress on this thing. It's starting to build a little bit in me. Um. I haven't really had much time to like really stress out on this game. I'm not yeah. I'm not stressed out about it at all. I mean, like I said, this is house money. It's just been a great season. Excited to be here. Yeah. yeah. Everett is wondering the over-under on the price of a 16-ounce beer at Toyota Stadium. He's setting the number at $13.50. That's a good guess. I was gonna I was gonna say 14, so I guess I'm taking the over. There you go. Final thing Everett had, this this is a great one, uh, and uh, maybe we will close with this one. Uh, will the UM marching band, who is going to the – who uh, got the hit their funding goal through assistance of many people, including university fans and also, yes, Montana State as well, uh, will the UM marching band be adding a fiddle player to the trip? Because, well, you guys know. You're going to play in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that was Everett's question. That'd be kind of funny if they did have if they did uh, truckle fiddle player down there. Um, I know some people absolutely despise that song. Um, you know, like they're not going to truck a, a fiddle player down there, but someone can play the fiddle in that group, right? And they'll you can throw a rock in Missoula and hit a fiddle player. <laughs> <laughs> if it was just a sunny day at the Oval on campus, you could find at least five or six of them, right? At least. Uh, let's see. And then I'm just checking because I had a couple other messages, but like Donovan got at me on Twitter, but player questions. And unfortunately we'd already, already wrapped that up. So handful of other questions we had were kind of for the, for the players. So, um, we, we got that section already wrapped up. So, uh, boys, that is our fan questions. We're, uh, we're all, we're all caught up there. All right. Um, Kyle, when do you leave? Uh, I'm probably going to leave Missoula Friday morning around like 9 a.m. 
drive to Spokane. And we we leave Spokane at one thirty Pacific, and we get into Texas at like nine thirty Friday night. All right. I think I think you're on the same flight as my uh, in laws. Oh, really? Yeah. So be nice. Here. I I wouldn't. I don't know any other way. All right. Brent, do you have all everything set up for your game watching? We're all set. Yeah, we're all ready to go. We're gonna have a few people over to my dad's, and me and the old man. We're gonna watch the game and hopefully be. Uh, celebrating a victory and of course this is the funny thing recording this now is um being that it's now new year's day for this portion of the recording my sunday is going to be a it's going to be quite the sunday right because yeah kyle just realized first grizz are in the national title game and then as soon as that ends the packers are hosting their bitter rivals the bears and if they win they're in the playoffs and if they lose they're not so my spectrum of emotions being a football fan on Sunday is going to get fully displayed. So, uh, so. so Shay's uh, prediction is even more true than he realized at the time. <laughs> the magnitude of your day on Twitter for <laughs> yeah. X next Sunday is going to be huge. It's even bigger now, yeah, because I'm just, oh, my God, yeah. So. What, is, what is the whiskey that you'll be drinking? Mm, uh, I might just stick with my, my good old standby. I'll just have a bottle of Woodford with me. So yeah, yeah I'll go, I'll go with one of my favorites. So, yeah. Man, I just can't even imagine what you're going to be like that day. I totally, Dude. I totally forgot that. The it was just fun. Well, as soon as the Packers won last night and they were like, they announced the game was in the afternoon. I was like, oh my God, like, you know, we're going to be, I'm either going to be, it's just going to be crazy, right? You're going to be, I'm going to be coming off the, peak high of an upset Grizz first time national title since 2001 where I, honestly I probably won't give a shit what happens in, in green but I, I probably will but it'll be you know it's like just that that crazy buzz or you know I'll be you know somewhere between how depending if, if uh, on a Grizz loss how I feel and then yeah, then I'm going to be hinging my entire <laughs> everything on hopefully the Packers can play a little bit of good football against the the damn Bears. But, oh, man, it's it hit me last night. It's like Sunday's going to be very emotionally stressful. I'd, I'd have it no other way for you, Brent. Thoughts and prayers, Brent. Thank you. Thank you. Kyle, do you have a stressful pro football game on uh, Sunday? Yeah, no, okay. I don't think I do. Oh, no, the 49ers. No. And one no. seat. Yeah, no, I'm good. Yeah. No, no. Don't even don't even care. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Will not watch it more than likely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's 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 wrap the game. Brent, what for your last pick of uh this really fantastic ride of a 2023 football season for Montana and all things maybe improbable from our preseason show through you know, half of the season. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen when the Grizz take on South Dakota State in the national championship next Sunday? I mean, I, I kind of already, I alluded to it already. Everything, everything screams at me that South Dakota State will win this, will, should maybe even win it big. Um, but I, I just, I, I've, I, I have gone with my gut and my fail on this uh, the whole way, and it has not failed me yet, and I hope it doesn't fail me again. I think Montana finds a way. I think this is a defensive struggle that opens up a little bit into the third and fourth with the offenses getting going. I think it's going to be a hell of a game, and I think Montana's winning this. I'm going to say 28-24 Gris. 
Ooh. Kyle, where are you at? I I don't want to bet against this Grizz team just because they've shown over and over that they can uh, rise to the occasion and kind of defy the odds. When I was in Idaho, I told Idaho fans not to kick our ass too bad so that I could try to enjoy the game. And I, you know, I'm not going to say that same thing to South Dakota State fans, but I mean, they deserve being the favorite. Um, I think they're going to win. I think South Dakota State's going to win 17 13. That's a stressful game. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the most probable outcome um, that we're talking about next week is South Dakota State winning the national championship again. I think that's the most probable outcome. That being said, you know, this team, and I've I've kind of felt this, I feel similar to going into the cat game, even different than all the playoff games, where I just think this house money factor is such a great thing um, for this team and the ability to play as the underdog. And you give our veteran staff three weeks to get ready and guys rise to the occasion. Maybe South Dakota State's overlooking us or 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 reading too much of their well-deserved hype. Uh, but I think the Grizz are going to pull it out. Just a feeling I have. So right. with that, we'll go 42-17 Grizz. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. I was not expecting that. Oh, <laughs> oh holy shit. I wow, you might have just, like, got me out of my hangover right there. Oh. <laughs> Just making sure people are paying attention. All right, yeah. let's go. <laughs> All right, guys. Any other thoughts? I hope I'm wrong. I hope you're wrong too, Kyle. I hope I you mean, and the Vegas betters and everybody who's wrong. The smart ass of me was thinking I should change it from 28 to 27 on a missed extra point. Um, but I won't. So no, guys, this has been fun. I'm super jealous of you guys. I mean, I know I'm doing the right thing staying here. I wish I was going with you boys down there too. It's kind of one of these things which could be in two places at once, but this has been a blast. This has been my most memorable year of Grizz football of my entire life. And being part of the pod and all this stuff we've done is, is totally like added into that. And so, you know, one way or another, we're going to be, we're going to be, this has been an amazing season and it's been an amazing time to be a Grizz fan. The future feels bright, brighter than it had been before from uh, previous ends of seasons. And so, I, I just, I mean, I'm just so excited and, and it just, I, it feels like the fan base and everyone is revitalized and re-energized to a level that we've not felt in over a decade. And so um, it just what gives me so much hope for um, the future as well with this team. And uh, this has just been an absolute blast. So love podding with you guys and I love all the fans being part of this too. It's made this, this made this all the more enjoyable. So let's, fucking, let's go. I like it. I mean, I echo that. Nothing that can happen on next week changes anything you just said. I think this has been a season that I will remember forever. You got to share it with James. You know, you've all heard me talk about it. But I think it's reminded a lot of people how fun Chris football can be and what it can do for the community. And it's, I think it's good for the institution. And none of that changes no matter what happens on Sunday. That's right. Um, I think – Chris football is in a good place. I'm excited about the future and I'm excited about this coming week. So. All right. All right. If, if we know you or Hey, anymore, if we don't know you, we'll see you down there. Uh, James is looking forward to it too. 
Brent will uh, take care of the home front, and you will definitely hear from us no matter what sometime in the week after after this game because we'll definitely want to talk about it, and we've got a few things going on in the offseason. So with that, go Grizz.